Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Here we go. Recorded yeah. live. Yeah, like I said, I'm going to talk to Paul for a little bit. I was, I was trying to explain it. I was going to call Paul up, but Paul called himself up. So that's great. And uh, like I said, I'm going to stop because I'm... Look, the world batteries, man, from some guy in Craigslist I saw for like three, four batteries he had for like 50, 60 bucks, and then a charger. I said, like, all right, man, you know, instead of spending 100 bucks on a, on a stupid charger, I was like, that's ridiculous. So uh, then we're on our way to get uh, Donald at the airport. So, uh, yeah, like I was saying, man, he's got to go for a grand jury. And uh, I want to ask him, they said, I want to try to get into his head a whole bunch of good grand jury questions I always wanted to ask. And we were kind of hoping, uh, well, I was hoping that Gus was going to go before the grand jury, and Gus was just hoping that the charges were going to be uh, dismissed. <laughs> so Gus got his wish. <laughs> like, damn, so, we could have had the grand jury with Gus. That would have been great, man. I would have wanted to ask a whole shitload of questions, because Gus said to me, he said, well, uh, you know, according to the rules of a grand jury, blah, 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 blah. And I said to Gus, I said, wait a second, is that a constitutional grand jury? Is it a legal grand jury? Is it a common law grand jury? Is it a st- statutory grand jury? A legislative grand jury? I said, I don't know. Why don't we just ask him a whole shitload of questions? I said, this is going to be good. Petite grand jury? No, 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 man. You guys be quiet. Okay, just, just stop. Okay, I want to hear Gus. If Gus. I'm talking to Gus. If Gus wants to say something... That's fine. Let Gus talk, okay? So you want like me to mute everybody else, Carl? Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, All right. And absolutely. I mean, when I start this show, yeah, just mute the hell out of everybody. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, thanks to whoever said petite grand jury. That's fine, man. I appreciate it. But like I said, man, I, I'm trying to get, uh, you know, I was talking to Gus. And, uh, no, it, it's like, it, it, it doesn't have to be the full, like, 25, maybe 23. So, yeah, but it's like I said, I wanted Gus to ask them. I said, I figured, man, get somebody in front of a grand jury who, uh, you know, kind of understands what I'd love to ask, but I've never had the opportunity to go. It's just like, you know, people who said 10,000 tons of cocaine in a country. Hey, you know what? I'd love to handle one of those cases. Or some governor went to jail and, hey, get his wife to claim she's property and get him out. Well, he almost was doing that with Ron Blagojevich, man, because we knew the uh, the maintenance man that worked at... Uh, at their house, Mexican, uh, not a Mexican guy, he was like, Mol- not Moldovian, Montenegro guy or something like that, but he got into a fight with his, his wife and played a fight or whatever, I don't know, but that would have been a lot of fun, try to get the governor out. So a lot of fun, but like I said, Gus was going to uh, go to the grand jury, and we were saying, Gus is like, oh, well, man, it's like, uh, the judge fucking uh, held it over for the grand jury, man, it's going to uh, see if it's going to be indicted. It's oh, good, man, let's, uh, Let's run this through the grand jury. I got a whole shitload of questions I always wanted to ask. And then the next thing I know, man, it's like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock next morning, whatever, Gus text messaged me, and I read that text message like 1, 2 in the afternoon, and it says, uh, uh no low prosequate. I say, holy shit. So then I called him up, said, hey, Gus, man, that's pretty cool. I said, uh, 
Well, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, I found out first thing this morning. I said, well, where are you? He's like, oh, I'm in Ohio. What do you mean you're fucking Ohio? I'm out of there. I'm out of there. I'm out of there. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, you're not. Yeah, yeah, fuck that. I'm gone. That's like, holy shit, you didn't waste no time, man. You're like, yeah, I'm gone. <laughs> it's like, I'm done. <laughs> but yeah, it would have been fun to have somebody in, in the grand jury. It's like, I was thinking to myself, well, I'm glad Gus's, you know, dilemma is done, but it would have been a lot of fun if he could have got in front of that grand jury, man. I think he would have done pretty good. I don't think um, Donald is going to do anything compared to what Gus could have done. But uh, I'm going to try, you know, to, to teach him or try to ask him some serious questions on how to answer them. So, so, like, were you saying something, Gus? Yeah, I'm sure uh, the opportunities are not, you know, just, uh, I'm sure I haven't run out of opportunities yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're so grateful, man. You know, so grateful you didn't have to. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't, you know, like, oh, boy, I can't wait to go in front of a grand jury and go talk to the grand jury foreman. And, yeah, I'm sure it was nerve-wracking. Anyway, yeah, come right. on, you had some serious jail time, man. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm sure you uh, was grateful it was over. I was very grateful it was over. Yeah, I couldn't imagine, man. I couldn't imagine under that stress. I feel bad when somebody like Frank is, is going to jail, man. I feel bad for that kind of guy that's stressing. Things pop in my head how, you know, would feel to be Frank. You know, I was like, man, that's, you know, I had a hard time sleeping what time. What did I just think about that? I said, man, that's insane what he's going through. You know, no charges, no nothing. Oh, Jesus, man. That's 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 just insane. But, um, yeah, like I said, Donald's going to go for a grand jury. So, like I said, hey, if you had any questions, Gus, if you wanted to ask the grand jury, I guess just uh, text message him over to me. And uh, oh, I'll have to put Donald on there, man. You know, I'll put Donald on and show them all. And uh, just tell us what uh, he wanted to do, what you wanted when's to he, ask. When's he going before the grand jury? I don't know. Ask Paul. You can unmute Paul. He behaves. Very petite jerk. It could be anything under 25. It could be like 12. It could be 6. It could be, you know, whatever. Anything but the full 25. Uh, he, he's going well, on the 13th, Kyle. 13th? When is that? Like Friday? No, next week. Yeah, next week. Ne- next week? Thursday? Friday? Yeah, I think uh, I mean, uh, Wednesday next week. Wednesday? Oh, wow. Days are flying. Yeah, they are. Yeah, it's funny, man. I called up uh, the court clerk today, and I asked him, man. I said, hey, any uh, movement on my case? And you get off at this exit right here, man. And she said, uh, what's the number? She said, da-da-da, whatever it was. See, I had it written on my hand before. It was funny. I had it written on my hand before. And I goes, I was too damn busy outside. I didn't have time to, like, stop in the house, call up while I'm in the house. Hell with that, man. Write it on my hand and call them up when I got time. So, uh, yeah, damn fucking party, man. Oh, make it right right here, man. Then just keep going for about three or four miles, and you'll see a 7-Eleven. Um... Yes, she said, I said, any movement on it? And I said, any fi- filed in? She says, nope. She says, not after the initial filing. She says, nope, nothing's happened. I said, oh, these people only got six days. <laughs> man, 21 days flies. So that's what I was saying to Paul today, man. I said, man, 21 days flies. I said, you just get that damn thing in there. You let them serve them. I don't give a damn what you got going on today. Just get get it in the the best you can. Just that's good, you know. He was tightening up, tightening up, tightening up. I said, "Oh, geez, 
I'm glad you, you didn't get it in just as fast as you could. The 7-Eleven? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Go five miles, man, so you see a 7-Eleven in the middle of nowhere. No, you just keep going. No stop for no yellow light. You must be from Ohio, man. Yeah, people go to the intersection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see anybody move? We, got, we could have backed through and backed up and went one more time. Yeah, that's right. We had plenty of time. We could have made a U-turn, came back, parked, got a Slurpee, and still beat that red lane. No, so like I said, no, we're just driving. But uh, I've got the audio, you know, Carl, because I recorded everything when I was going through the clerk's office as well. By the yeah, way. cool. Like I said, let's just talk about it a little bit first and then play the audio because I'm going to have to kill 10 minutes anyway because i got to step out and try to make a deal with this guy. If he wants like 70 bucks or three batteries and a charger, I'm going to try to throw him down 40, 50 bucks, you know. So that would give me 10 minutes to kill anyway. You could play the audio recording. But why don't we just try to set it up a little bit? Yeah, yeah and, and don't and don't send that, that that thing out that I you know I, I wrote like today for you. Don't 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 do anything with that. You know, let you run your case first, man. And then you know, then you have all these like you know miscreant uh, you know floozies, you know, copying and pasting it. You know, but right now just you just get your case through. You know what I'm saying? Just don't pass it out to the world just yet, and don't give it a dawdle to nobody. Just just run your case. You know, just like me. I don't want to give it out. I gave it to you, and I gave it to. Uh, Oh, the other man up in uh, the hell was that state he lives in? But like I said, you know, I'm just trying to give it out to a very select few just to uh, who are in the middle of a trial case right now. You know, I don't want to just give it out to anybody because they'll just start emailing it, mass emailing or whatever. And then you have 10,000 of these things all over the Internet and the church won't take it serious. But anyway, man, yeah, you tried, man, a couple times. It was You were mixing my stuff and and uh, it's it's just like, holy crap. You know, like I said, people don't realize, man, I just didn't file one style of, like, I, I filed complaints. I filed claims. I, I acted as a fictional entity. I acted as man. I acted as, a, I acted as I and my person. I acted as both. So when you guys just say, oh, I, I found it off the Internet call, which one? Which one's my lawsuits? Which one's, was it a claim? Was it a complaint? Was I acting as a man? Was I acting as a person? Was I acting as I and my person? You know, I was like, oh, there's a difference? But dude, yeah, dude, yeah. Well, I, I took, the, I chose this one. Okay, what are you appearing as? Oh, I appear as man. Against what? Or against who? No, you, you, you can't appear as a man against social services. That's ridiculous. You know, what, are you going to appear against a pine cone? Okay, put up your dukes, pine cone. Let's get down to this. That's a freaking pine cone. It's a fictional entity. It's, it's dude, dude, you got to appear as a fictional entity. I had to go against DHR like that one time. Once or twice. I don't remember. But I know I definitely did at least once. Yeah, you go in the middle lane, man. we got a ways to go. They said you got at least another three, four miles at least. But, um... Yeah, the guys play... You guys are on iPad playing Donkey Kong. I guess I'll try <laughs> I don't know. I see a thing lit up, man. That's all I know. Oh, you don't know the number of the show? Yeah, hang on, man. I'll give you the number of the show. Uh, shut up and uh, get a break and tell you. Okay. Ah, not rude to interrupt me, man. I do it all the time. Oh, that's right. My middle name is Rude. That's pretty funny. <laughs> I swear to God. You didn't know that? You didn't know that, Paul? That was my middle name? <laughs> no. Hey, <laughs> you guys laugh. Everybody else knows it is my middle name. Hey, it's 724. Four four four. Seven four four four. There you go. 
you know, if you're the, yeah, you went through the yellow light, hooray. You didn't put me through the windshield this time. Okay, when he says, well, the talk show, you know what number it is, or it's 127-469. Red light, you can hit the brakes. <laughs> One two seven four six nine. Yeah, four six nine. Uh-huh. I found. And they hit number one of them. They said one. Yeah. Yeah, no pound. There you go. You got it. Yeah. Yeah, he's trying to log on so he can listen to the show. So I gotta talk to you guys through like uh earbuds. Because if I talk to you guys through earbuds, it uh Sounds crystal clear. Yeah, just turn it down real low. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, because I got some feedback over here. But, um, yeah, like I said, with, um, we were working with, uh, Paul. Oh, yeah, you know that man? You know my middle name? You didn't really know my middle name was Rude? No, I didn't know it was Rude. I thought that, but that, I guess that could be a German name, right? Yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was short for Rudolph. Everybody used to call my dad Rude. Or Rudy, Rude or Rudy. Yeah, like Rudy's like a little kid's name, and then you call Rude. You know, like you call Carly when you're a little kid, and then you call Paul, you know, or Joey, and then you call Joe. You know, so, yeah, Rude. That is like, you know, that's pretty funny. <laughs> you thought I was kidding. Here's my middle name. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Yeah, like I said, uh, you know, Paul was uh, trying to mix my stuff up, you know, with other stuff. And I was like, oh, boy, you know, this is just... Thank God you kept uh, uh, taking a picture of it and sending it to me. Because, yeah. uh, thank God, thank God for instant text messaging, because I ain't got no time to read no emails. I, so, I had no idea that drawing one line on one one document could make a big difference. Oh, yeah, boxing things out. Oh, yeah, because, see, I was explaining that to Paul earlier. And that's what I think is a, a good learn thing for everybody who listens to these freaking shows who, who give a damn, well, they wouldn't be listening. But, um, you know, 100, 200, 500,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, a piece of paper, you know, is beyond expensive. I mean, I was like, you know, you could probably buy gold cheaper than a piece of paper. You know, it was, you know, whatever, probably took a month to make a piece of paper. And, uh, you know, everything was parchment back then, like, you know, sheepskin and stuff like that. But as I was saying to Paul, it was very hard to find... Um, anything uh, to write on, you know, like look at, you know, what the Egyptians did. Man, those guys, what? Those guys wrote on stone. Oh, my Jesus, Lord. Imagine how long it took to write a letter on stone. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, when I was saying that to Paul, uh, about writing, and then you put things in boxes, you know, like uh, you could have 57 different topics going on on one piece of paper, but you just box it off, you know, say, okay, this pertains to this, this pertains to that, that pertains to that. It's, you know, it's like, well, you just write it on another piece of paper. Well, now we get paper, you know, this is 7-Eleven. Now we get, now we get paper, you know, you know, instantly, you know, it's a you know, penny a sheet, whatever. But, you know, when it was hundreds of dollars a sheet, you know, you would box things off. You would, you know, paper was beyond valuable. And, uh, so that's why I explained to him the way he uh, boxed off his name at the very top where he boxed off his court. I said, man, don't box off the court. I said, uh, you know, let that become part of the, the document. You know, don't box it off. I said, because if they really want to and they want to take it, uh, 
like literally, you know, uh, they'll say, why did this guy box off his court? Does, you know, is it a separate document? Is he really, you know, what's he doing? And, uh, yeah, like I said, that's funny. Uh, I got to find uh, this guy who's a, uh, wanted to try to sell me some uh, those battery things so that we just pulled up at the 7-Eleven, but I'll talk about Paul's things just a little bit more. But, um, um, we were going over the paperwork, I don't know, at least a week, you know, sending back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And like I said to, um, I said to, um, uh, John here, I said, you know what, I might just give up and I might just do the damn thing for him. You know what, screw this. You know, just find me a computer and just, uh, I'll be done in two, three minutes. You know, like to me, do a lawsuit. Man, if it takes me 20 minutes, I'd be amazed. It's funny, I wrote like a, a habeas corpus for, uh, Frank in the front seat of my mom's car the other day. Man, I just flew. I just wrote it, like, really fast. And it might have taken me two, three minutes to do a habeas corpus. I said, here, I said, just, uh, let Frank read this through the glass and, Tell them to write it down and mail it to me, and have him read it. Have him, have him read it out loud. He reads it out loud. Uh, you know, at least everybody on a, in a prison system or the detention the, the center heard him, and it's all videotaped and it's all audio taped. So that way, when he sends it out, they can't say, "Oh, that's not what Frank really wants to do." Paul's doing this. Frank don't want to do it. Paul's doing it. So I told my mom to have him sign it, write it, write it as a notice. And send it out, send it out of the fucking detention center, and I'll fucking uh, make sure that it gets before the court, and I'll get them a, uh, you know, I'll get them uh, into a competent jurisdiction. That's basically what I wrote. I said, you know, I require, you know, to have a place uh, the case, and uh, that is now at a. Augusta County Juvenile uh, Domestic Relations Court, case number blah, 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 to be placed before the competent jurisdiction in accordance to the common law. Oh, hang on, that's probably the guy looking for, for me. Yeah, that's the guy looking for me. Hang on a second, another battery guy. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. All right, yes. Yeah, he is the guy. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to take a look at the... Can you guys still hear me over there? I'll talk to you. Yeah, we're good. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like I said, I, was, uh, I found the guy who was selling the batteries there. So I just want to take a look at the the batteries. But um, you uh, you got that uh, battery uh, the drill? Thank you, man. So that way I can try it out. Here you go. You hold that. Oh, yeah, you got one, too? Yeah, hang on, guys, man. I'm going to mute out. I guess, uh, hey, Gus, just talk, talk, really talk about what are we doing with Paul. I want to talk about that. Just uh, just talk about something else. Talk about the weather in Minnesota and how you haven't seen a human being or something. I'll, I'll be right back. Is that Gus? Gus, are you on? Yeah, sorry, I muted myself up. No, you're okay. I'm just, 
Uh, put your hand up if you want to talk. I, I'm really not in the mood to talk about anything. <laughs> well, I, I can I can share this uh, before Carl gets back. We uh, we found a nice courthouse that was uh, uh, away from all the big cities, uh, where the people like to be uh, pretty much like. And uh, and that's been useful because when I went down there, the people were very uh, helpful and kind. And uh, you're not part of a machine when you get there. And I recorded uh, most of what I got. They uh, bumped me from one clerk to another. And when I went up to see the second clerk, the clerk and master was actually a very helpful uh, man. And uh, the clerk tried to change my paperwork and actually struck a line through my first copy of my paperwork uh, where it said court. And uh, I looked to the clerk and master who I'd already to, and I asked him, I said, uh, I said, it's very important that this reads this particular way. And he looked at the paperwork and he read it, and he said, and this is common law. I said, yeah, it, it is. I said, this is between uh, the man who owes me the money and it's between uh, uh, myself. I said, we need, to, uh, uh, we need to keep the paperwork the way it is. And uh, he just leant over the uh, clerk's shoulder who was typing everything in the computer. And he said, uh, leave the man's paperwork the way it is. It's his paperwork. Leave it alone. He said, and uh, he said, this will be passed to the judge. Uh, to the, It'll get case stamped, and then there'll be a case file. He said, and the judge will take a glance at it. And, uh, and I told him, I said, you know, I'm going to private serve the man right now. I said, because uh, it's important. Uh, he's been ducking and diving, trying to stay away hey, from us. Hey, Paul. Yeah, go ahead. Why don't you talk to them about the process server guy? How about that? Yeah, I can do the process server, too. Cause I met him <laughs> talk about the process server, man. Do that. Okay. That's fun. When I, when I got back um, from the courthouse with the papers, um, I, uh, I'd already called a couple of process servers, and the one guy who sparked my attention... Uh, was the one guy on the phone, he said, well, I won't process serve unless I know a little bit more about it. He said, because I had somebody hurt who's worked for me a number of years ago. I said, I can respect that. I said, I'll meet you when I come back. I'll call you on the way back. I called him on on the way back from the courthouse, and I said, I'm on my way back. Do you have time to meet? He said, sure. So we we met, and uh, he sat down, and I kind of spilled the beans a little bit. I was very uh, apprehensive. And I said, I'm trying to serve somebody who works for the government. I said, but I'm serving him as a man. And uh, very interesting words he, uh, he chose. He said, uh, he said, you need to know, he said, I will only do process serve on something that is right or wrong. He said, you need to understand. He said, I want to be on the side who is right. And, and it sparked my attention so much. And I... Uh, uh, let's call this guy's name John. I said, John, I said, a very unusual choice of words you have there. And he said, well, he said, in my line of work, we see a lot of things. He said, and I never ever in my lifetime ever want to be on the side of wrong. He said, people get hurt and harmed in wrong. He said, and uh, I want to be on the, the side that is right. And I said, well, as far as I'm concerned, I've hired you right now. I said, but I will, being as you've shared those details with me, let me open the case file and kind of walk you through where I'm at because this one process serving that I'm asking you to do is only the first one of three more to come. And I said this first one is obviously against a man 
whose uh, job every day of the week is to go work for the government. And he asked me, he said, what, uh, what division of the government? And I showed him the letters. And he said, uh, how important is this man? I said, he's a group coordinator. He's in charge of a number of men. And he said, uh, do you think he's an honorable man? Do you think he is a man who recognizes a right and a wrong? I said, I do believe that. And he, he said, let me ask you about these other men. And he went down the list, and I said, that's the man you've got to be cautious of right there. I said, he is the one who will get what he wants at any cost. I said, one day they're going to read about him in the newspaper, doing bad things to other people just to get what he wants. And he said, well, let me tell you. He said, I've heard your story. He said, why is this man so important? I said, well, if you understood what they did to my son, you'll understand why I've decided to fight this from the ground up. And uh, I told him the story about them sending two armed agents to uh, my son's school to pull him from his school so they could serve him a grand jury subpoena. And uh, the man's eyes got so big. And he said, if I could do it for free, I would. He said, but I'm going to charge you just the bare minimum it's going to take to get it to happen. He said, but I give you my word, I'm going to serve this one for you. And he had such a great heart, this man. And it was quite uh, uh, refreshing to hear somebody uh, who used the term right and wrong, just like Carl does. And I asked him, I said, do you have any experience with common law? And he said, well, uh, he said, I understand that common law is real law. He said, and we're so bamboozled with stuff that gets thrown to us. He said, uh, nobody knows what's right and wrong anymore. And I said, I said, John, I can't even tell you what, uh, what those words mean to me. And uh, one of the other things he brought up, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the other things he brought up, he said, uh, he said, if you give me a full overview, he said, and I am sure that any man who I give this job to who works for me or myself, he said, I'm going to personally serve this one for you. He said, but the other three, I may hand them off to one of the guys who works for me because we do a lot of other work, not just process serving. He said, but uh, I need to know if they're dangerous men or not dangerous men, and I kind of gave a profile of each, each man we're dealing with. And he said, Paul, I haven't heard a story like yours in a lot of years. He said, uh, there are divisions of the government that don't do what's right. He said, and you're obviously on the receiving end of one that's not doing right. He said, and uh, hand on heart, I'm going to do everything I can to help you. He said, and I'll call you first thing in the morning. He said, don't even pay me any money today. He said, I'll meet you tomorrow. I'll, tell, I'll show you the file of what I've already pulled up on the information on this man that you want to serve. And uh, you can either confirm or deny it's the right man, and then I'll go after him, and I'll serve him. And he asked me, he even asked me, what day do you want him served? So there are great people out there. And uh, if you shop your, your process servers, you'll even find process servers who have a heart and a conscience to do what's right and what's wrong. And, uh, and they want to be a part of the solution, not the problem. So there are great people out there. We've just got to find them. And it's not the first phone call you make. It may be the second or third, just for those guys who are listening. I, I don't know if you went through this, Gus, at all, up, up at your end when you did all your stuff, but some process servers will just take your money and say they'll do it. This process server even asked me, he said, is there, uh, is there any special words other than you served that I need to use? And I said, well, uh, if, if I could choose it, I said, I would tell you, uh, you can say, here is a common law claim against you, you are now served. And he said, I can do that. And uh, just to hear those words was marvelous. Gus, did you have experience in this? 
Gus, are you on? Yeah, he, we hear you, Paul. Gus might not be on, but I hear you. Okay. So this guy was very, 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 very good. Obviously a stand-up man. He even shared a story about a story of right and wrong where he helped somebody process the law enforcement entity in another county that was doing wrong. And he said, you know, he said it cost me probably $20,000 worth of uh, future business from those people. He said, but I slept at night knowing I'd done the right thing. And I think that's a rare event for us to meet men and women like that. But we... Hey, Paul. Hey, Paul, what did, he, uh, what did he say he did for a living in the past? Was he an ex-cop or something like that, or ex-military? Or? He's, a, he's actually runs a, one of the biggest private investigation companies in this, in this area here. Okay. What I don't know what if he his time before that or not, because I didn't get into that with him, but he came extremely highly recommended to me by some friends of mine at karate. Right. Okay. That's good. I just wanted that Yeah. But he did explain, he said, you know, he said, I run a, you know I'm running a risk by serving uh, this department of the government. He said that right. if they don't work, if they ever... Well, how did he, how did he know... Um... How did he know that uh, you were serving government people? Because I, I opened up and told him, I said, this man oh, is to the government. I said, I want you to be aware of okay. that. Well, that's, a, that's a good thing that you mentioned that on the show, because now telling people, do not tell them that you're serving government people, okay? I mean, Paul was nice, I guess. Nice. Oh. I, mean, I, got nice. I got nice when the guy used the term right and wrong. Yeah, yeah but, I'm, but I'm saying that before that, yeah. Did you tell him that, uh, that you were serving a government man or no? No. No, I, okay. I met him. I showed him the... Uh, I showed well, him I'm, the saying, well, I'm trying to teach other people. And I guess that this is what this show is really good about. So me and you talking because I know what happened. I try to, I'm going to interrupt every now and then to try to teach other people and say, see, this is what we're saying. Don't tell process service you're serving a government person. It's going to be almost impossible to find a process server. Just like me with Terry McTuffle, whatever his name is, the governor. Thank God the, the poor clerk lady didn't even know who the governor of Virginia was. was thank God. She was like, yeah, and we'll serve this Terry, Terry, whatever his name is, McAleafy, whatever, said, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, so thank God she didn't know, uh, you know, there's no, no miss, you know, Terry McCuffle. Thank God she didn't know, you know. She, she said, okay, I'll serve Anita Harris up here at the county, at the county center. So obviously she must have known she must, you know, be some sort of government employee because I said, you know, I know she works up here at the county center. I have 68, uh, like Dick Huff Lane. I said, um, so she's like, okay. So then she probably says to herself, okay, Anita Harris is a uh, county worker. Okay. And then we'll have serve whoever this person is, you know, Terry, Terry McCouple, McCapple. So, yeah, like, believe me, I say, oh, I'm suing the governor. I was like, oh, Jesus, you know. I mean, can you imagine if I was that stupid? It's like, I'm like, I'm so stoked. I am going so sued as effing governor. So I wrote Terry McGuffle, the grand uh, governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia. No, I didn't put that on the paper. It said, wrong do it, Terry McGuffle. Man, wrong do it. You know, I'm not giving anybody any heads up, you know. Where can we find this guy? I don't know, man. I'll get his address some other day. It's like, oh, the governor's mansion. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. You you want us to ring the door of the governor's mansion? Man, this guy. Oh, yeah. Really? Let me read this lawsuit a little bit before I piss the governor off of, you know, uh, the 25th Circuit Court. You know, oh, they let this out of the courthouse. 
they let this clown file this thing. You know, can you imagine the grief that those people would get? You know, then it, it clearly said on there, Governor's Mansion, Terry McGovern, Governor. You know, this should be. They'd, they'd, they'd say, "Oh no, no, no way, no way. We are not sending that out from here. Oh no, we did not need to go with these people down here. You know, barking at us, saying, how the hell did you let this piece of paper get filed? How the hell?'" I definitely tell people, do not put down their damn titles on these pieces of paper. Do not say he's the governor. Do not say he's the president of the United States. Do not do any of that nonsense. You know, like I said, you say the Barack Obama, what's his real name? Barry Sanders or something like that? Uh, you know, so uh, I'm suing Barry Sanders. Uh, where are you suing? I don't know, man. He's just filing. I'll get you his address tomorrow. Oh, okay. And they filed it. Then the next day you come by and say, oh, did you get his address? I was like, oh, yeah, 1600 uh, Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> where, where, Pennsylvania Avenue where? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's near Maryland. I don't know. I, I, wait a second. The zip code is right there. I don't know. I think that's near Washington or something. I'm not sure. Baltimore area. Just, you know, just let the sheriff's department do that job. <laughs> don't get into damn detail. Yeah. You know, don't get into the damn details. So, like I said, Paul got into detail because he uh, talked to the man a little bit. And uh, what do you say? He said, when the man, go ahead, explain right and wrong. Go ahead. That's why you kind of opened up to him a little bit. But I don't recommend opening up to these people. You know, you're scared of Jesus out of them. Yeah. He, uh, he was just right straightforward. He said, uh, before I serve anybody, I just want to know, I'm on the, am I on the side of right or wrong? And I said, strange choice of words. I said, can you help me with that? And he said, well, he said, what's happened to you that means you want to serve this man? I showed him the case. I said, I want my things back. He said, I've got no problem with that. He said, uh, are there other people you need serving as well? And <clears throat> I pulled up, obviously, the one guy with, the, with my son. Told him the story about that. He said, I don't care who he works for. He said, I'll serve him. He said, what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And this, this man, these people are obviously wrong. So, I mean, that's that's what that's what gave birth to it opening up. Well, like I said, you and I know what your son is, but why don't you explain to people what your son is? Well, he's a 15-year-old. He's in high school. Um, he, uh, he has no knowledge of anything that happened. And uh, we... The only question he has is that they came into the house. See, like I said, I've had, I've had other dads say that their sons are 25 years old, and how do I keep my 25-year-old son testifying against me? It's like, if you created it, they can't use something that 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 you created against you. Like, if you, you know, made a chair, they can't hit you over the head with your chair. You know, they can't do that. Oh, yeah. There was this cookout, just turn into that pressure on right there, man. That's what it says, cookout. Let's keep going. Let's light down. So, but that, I don't know. Yeah, but, and man, yeah, right, that's what I'm saying. You well, you know, explain a little bit about your son. That he's a nice kid, you know. He's a phones for fun. Um, yeah, yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to describe him a little bit because you're not really doing a good job. I'm saying he's like a little slender fella. You know, he's not big like when I was 15 years old. I'm six feet two, 200 pounds. No, he's a nice little cute kid. You know, looks like you know he's like a you know plays, you know, Atari videos, whatever, all day. He's a real nice kid. You know, a real charming little little fella, you know, so uh, not, nothing intimidating, you know, not a big hit, you know, with all uh, kind of tattoos all over him. Little cutie pie. So uh, that's what I'm trying to explain to him, uh, Paul. 
you got to try to get see people. This is video. Or this is radio. This ain't video. So you got to try to explain, you know, a little bit to get people a feel for you. Yeah. You know, radio. You, you know, you're on radio. He's a great kid, and he was, you know, maybe a hundred pounds wet through, probably. And yeah. uh, and they dragged two two agents went to his school at a fifteen year old without any warning, without any notice to uh, to me, and. Uh, they uh, take him out of his class and drag him to the office to serve him a grand jury subpoena and uh, all the time slandering me for not taking a plea and uh, the, the whole time and then trying to get him to force him to talk. And, what office uh, did they take him to? They, they took him, like, to the front to the school office area. Like the, Okay, like the, the front desk, like the... Yeah. Okay, like uh, where the principal hangs out or whatever. Yeah. When I uh, when it was all said and done, uh, you know, they're not allowed phones in the school. He got the uh, computer science teacher to uh, to call me, and uh, this guy, obviously a good-hearted man, uh, called me and he said, "You know, your son is very upset. Uh, something's happened up here." He said, "And I don't think he should be in class anymore." I said, "Well, can I speak to him for briefly?" He said, "Well, it's against policy, but I'm going to put him on because he's obviously." Uh, this should have never happened. And uh, so he put him on, and I ended up picking him up from class, and he didn't even go back to school the next day because of what they'd done. But, uh, yeah, yeah uh, there's, there's, no, uh, there's no feeling uh, or helpfulness uh, when dealing with these entities that work for the government when they're out. Yeah, and, uh, yeah that's insane. When, that's why I'm trying to say, because another man called me up, and he had a 25-year-old son, and... He went before the grand jury, so I was helping him on the show. So most people have an idea what a 25-year-old man looks like, and most people have an idea what a 15-year-old looks like. And, you know, like I said, uh, your kid is, like you said, 100 pounds wet, and how tall would you say he is? Well, he's he's getting taller. He's getting up near me. He's probably about 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five now. Yeah, see, so I'm trying to get people to visualize this. You know, there's a 5'4 kid. You know, he's, he's uh, 100 pounds. You know, he's 15 years old. He just he just doesn't play like a Nintendo all day kind of looking kid. You know, he doesn't look like he wants to play football or, uh, you know, rugby. You know, he's just a just a kid. You know, to have these agents come, you know, in his classroom is 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 obscene. I mean, there's no there's no reason for it. You know, you know, I mean, I can't even see him kind of catching a kid coming off the school bus. I mean, it, it, you know, you know, why don't they just come to your house and say, hey, you know, what we you know we're gonna need to have to require you, you know, your child. To, Appear because uh, at the time that we uh, came in and uh, served the warrants on you, uh, he, you know he was in the home and we want to want him to testify to what he heard or what he saw. So, what exactly did they want from him? What information did they uh, say that they wanted from? I don't, I don't know. I, I let him talk to Donald, but I didn't even jump in the middle of that one at the moment. I'm, uh, I'm just concentrating on my end of it. Um, his, what I will tell you is when he went to Grand. Uh, they served him that subpoena, and um, I ended up getting him a, a legal servant, and um, the legal servant took him to an interview for a few oh, minutes. Oh, attorney, a legal, you're saying there's an attorney? Yeah. And, uh, uh, who got him the attorney? I did. I paid for one. Okay, so you got him an attorney. Okay. Yeah, see, a legal servant, a lot of people you just lost, you know, when you said seven. Yeah, I got him an attorney. I paid for a couple hours of time. Attorney took mm-hmm. him for an interview. And 
the basis of the interview was that he wouldn't have to go to a full grand jury appearance. Well, uh, these people are so callous and uh, inhumane in all ways that when the interview was over, they served him a subpoena anyway, another subpoena for another day. So we ended up going, and that's when Donald came over at Christmas, and Donald uh, escorted him into the courthouse up there and was with him as next friend uh, while I went to park the vehicle. And Donald uh, hadn't even been in there a few minutes when uh, um, Donald asked the question about, you know, the uh, some uh, grand jury coordinator, and he'd asked some questions. And uh, this agent, who is one of the more uh, brazen agents, uh, came out with uh, a subpoena for Donald. And it had yeah. Donald's name on, no address. They didn't know anything about Donald. Um, but the agent, I just walked in on it when I got there. The agent comes out and hands Donald, Donald a subpoena while Ian's inside the grand jury. And uh, <laughs> I've never seen a government employee quite so confused in his life. Uh, Carl, Donald uh, asked the man, uh, this one agent, he said, the, the, the man's trying to hand in the paper, and Donald's got one hand on the paper but not fully accepting it. And Donald's looking at this man in the eye, and he's asking him, he said, who is giving me this paper? And the, uh, the agent said, well, it's the district court. And Donald asked him again, he said, who is giving me this paper? And he said, well, it's the district court. And you can see the agent's eyes started vibrating and rolling in his head. And then Donald asked him for the third time, he said, who is serving me this paper? Who is trying to give me this paper? And who signed this paper? And the agent, he was just, he, he lost it. And he said, it's the damn district court or something. And, uh, and then Donald just gave it to him and he said, look, he said, I didn't say what is serving, I said who. Who are you? Who are you? Do you know who you are? Do you even know who you are? And the agent, he just, he couldn't, he ran in the back room like a scalded dog and went and got the district attorney out. <laughs> what did the district attorney do? Well, the district attorney then, uh, um, then he came out and he said, uh, do you understand what this piece of paper is? And Donald says, I understand and I believe that this piece of paper is addressed to a person uh, who goes by the name of Donald Watson. And he said, really? He said, yes. He said, who is the man who gives me this paper? Who is the man who signed this? He said, well, that was me. He said, well, what is your name? And he said, well, my name is whatever it was. And he said, well, um, he said, well, I'm a man. He said, do you want me to make a special appearance for this? He said, well, you've been served. You better be here or we'll arrest you. It was pretty aggressive. Yeah. And uh, Donald, and I leaned over to the agent. I said, you do understand this man doesn't live in America. He lives in England because they've been told. Well, you know, yeah, what, what's kind of good is what Donald should have said is, uh, are you communicating to me a threat? Are you threatening me? <laughs> you know, it's like, no, it's a damn promise. I was like, oh, okay, so you are committing extortion. Yeah. I you, know, you, you know you just threatened your fellow man. You know, I'm man, you're man, and you just threatened me. Yeah, you know, say, say, is there a uh, is there a prosecutor nearby that I could, uh, you know, ask him if he'd uh, be willing to uh, investigate to see whether there's probable cause to take you up on charges for extortion? Can you say I am the bloody fucking prosecutor? That'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. 
And well, like, oh, I guess we're going to have to self-prosecute. He's going to have to do one of those, uh, who's that free man guy? Uh, he's going to do uh, the PAGs, the private attorney general guy. What's his name? Rod Class? Yeah, he's going to have to do a Rod Class. Do a private attorney general. Well, then I'm going to prosecute you as a private attorney general. That would too funny. You started going down that chippy lane. That would have been funny. So anyway, he said that he, he said he started barking out all flavors of hell, saying if you don't get here, you'll be under arrest. Okay, then what happened from there? Well, I, I went over and I looked at the agent in the eye. I said, you do understand that Donald, this man here, I said, you do understand he doesn't live in America. I said, $40 isn't going to get him to your special appearance. Yeah. And he said, what do you mean? I said, he lives in England. And yeah. he said, it was like he didn't want to hear that information, therefore he switched his brain off. And I told him three times, Donald heard it, I heard it, he ignored it. Well, apparently, about a, I don't know if it was a week ago, a few days ago. He probably, probably realized he don't have jurisdiction. Well. He doesn't have jurisdiction over somebody, you know, who, you know, who's a foreigner. So yeah. Well, he's, he, somebody who is what would be called like an illegal alien, you know, because you see, he's not a legal person. And he's alien to us. He's, he has no comprehension of what's going on in our legal system. Correct. So see, when you say illegal alien, that's a wonderful thing to be. I mean, I'd love it if they, when I walked in the courtroom, said, are you an illegal alien? They said, you're damn bad. You better believe I am. <laughs> I'm not a legal person, and I am alien to I do. You cannot lean me. Like, A means not, and lean. You cannot lean me. Like, I don't say, I'm, I am a man. I said, when you see me, you see man. Your man, I'm man, that's what you see. A lean, a, a lean, an alien. I said, that's right, you can't lean me. That's right, I'm an illegal, that's right, I'm not legal. An alien, you're damn right, I'm not, I'm not leanable. You, well, can't push, you can't push a charge on me, you can't pass judgment on me. I'm an illegal alien, damn right. So anyway, uh, yeah, so he understood that, man, that he can't serve, you know, something for somebody who's not within his control, his jurisdiction. You know, he can't order somebody to do that, you know, because you have to have authority over him. And, like, oh. we have been trying to concentrate all week about authority and authoritarian. Authoritarian means I can impose my orders upon you. I don't have to comp- compensate you. I can impose orders on you and... You know, you just, like mommy, mommy imposes orders on you, say, back in the damn thing, do this, do that, do that. You can't handle a bill for $500. Say, I, I, I vacuumed and I did all stuff. No, she can impose orders upon you because she's an authoritarian figure over you. So go ahead, Paul. Um, a few days ago, I guess probably about a week ago, um, I'd just give you some background. When we knew Donald was coming back because of this mess, I gave him a, uh, a SIM card uh, that works worldwide for the business, and we haven't used So he goes to England, slides a SIM card in, and the district attorney calls him in England, and Donald will tell you more accurately, but the basis of the information is they call him to uh, ask him questions on the phone, and the very aggressive agent is the witness at the district attorney's office who's sitting in on the call. And Donald asked him just some basic questions, and uh, he said, well, you do understand we're only going to pay you $40 for your appearance, and uh, I understand you tried to uh, uh, let people know your expenses ahead of time and this and that. And Donald just said, uh, um, uh, $40 isn't going to cover it. I've already booked my flight, so I can be there on the 13th. And uh, the guy, the uh, district attorney, did, did a double take. And he said, 
but I'm calling a you know a, a number in America. He said, "Yeah, that's correct." He said, "But I am stood right now on the hills of Yorkshire." Yeah. <laughs> he said, <laughs> "He said, well, uh, we can finish the interview right here. You don't have to come." And he said, "No, it's too late. I have the flight booked, and uh, I will see you on the 13th." Yeah. See, and that's what's funny because I was I was pushing you guys like a million times, and you better get the itinerary. Uh, routed through the Department of Justice or the serving you, you know, with the district court and make them fully aware, you know, of what's going on. So, like I said, this is going to be interesting, you yeah. know, because you know, I have to see where, um, you know, like I said, that's what I always tell people, always make sure it's in the form of writing any kind of proof that and they're going to acknowledge that you made them aware that he was not, you know, within the territorial borders of the United States, you know, that he was outside of that jurisdiction, and yet he's, he was summoned to appear. Right. And did you folks let them know? I mean, did you send him an email? Did you send him a text message? Is there any kind of written proof, or is it just hearsay? Um, it was in front of two court officers at the district yeah. court, and myself and Donald, but I think Donald followed it up with emails, calls, and a letter. Oh, I think that's good. Thanks. That's good. He's going to hit right. That's good. Yeah, like I said, uh, just like I said, in Alabama, it's funny. If you look at the court case file, the court case file was so messed up with my mom's uh, itinerary, the flight and hotels and meals and accommodations for like 2005, six or seven was uh, on page like four or five of the case file. It's just the case file looked you know, like a jigsaw puzzle. And uh, what was funny is, uh, oh, um Every judge, you know, like after 2003, 2004, kept saying to social services, why are you paying for grandma and grandpa's flights to Alabama? Why are you um, paying for their hotel, their rental cars, and you're giving them stipends for food and uh, entertainment for the grandkids when they come up and visit them? And my mom, Frank, must have came up down to Alabama like 20 times. And it must have cost them... Ten thousand dollars. It must have cost them thousands of dollars to do this, you know, to fly them and get them hotel rooms and accommodations and everything else. And uh, it's just uh, the judges were like, "I've never heard of such a thing. Why are you paying these this grandma and grandpa to come?" Because they knew that they were trying to keep us from like uh, filing lawsuits, trying to keep us happy. But I think I had a question about, uh, yeah, if if you want a man, go get something to eat. It's gonna, you know, uh, just uh. Yeah, uh, no, I'll get something in a minute. They call it a plate. You'll see the menu on the right-hand side. And it's really good. They call it a plate. It, I always get the big double and some fries and a drink. Just get the big double. You'll like it. And then they ask you for two sides. They usually get like French fries and coleslaw. And I'll be... You know what? If you want to get me one of them, get me one of them, too. Give me a big double and tell them to put everything on it, but no bacon and no cheese, all right? Oh, and then extra tomato. Let's see how well you remember that. Extra tomato. Oh, extra tomato, extra onion. No bacon, no cheese. Thanks, hey, man. Carl, they'll, they'll put an egg on that thing if you ask them to cook one. Serious. Yeah, so that's pretty funny. No, I had a question about uh, your son. And I had to get this guy out of the car because he's keep playing the damn... Um, um, he's listening to me as feedback, man. I hate that. And that's why I'm always like talking. And I stop and I thought, well, i got to hear myself. It's, it's very annoying. So, like, when he brings the food out here, I'm going to say, hey, man, can you go back in the restaurant and eat? Grab me. But anyway, 
Um, no, I was going to ask you about your son. Hey, when you hired an attorney for this guy, because the first thing I, w- I was trying to explain to you folks, but you didn't really know me back then, is I kept saying to you, he cannot testify. He's incompetent. It's like getting somebody from an insane asylum to testify because at 15 years old, his brain is not fully developed and he doesn't know the concepts from right or wrong. It's the whole thing that I'm doing with, with my kid and uh, Frank. I said, I said to Mike the company investigator and the district attorney guy, I said, you do know. You do know you're taking testimony from an incompetent witness. You do know that, right? You, you, you know if Frank's got an attorney that's worth a two cents, they're going to throw that, <laughs> that witness out on their ass. And it happens to be my daughter. I said, do you understand that you can't use somebody from an insane asylum to testify against somebody? You, you can't. You know, she's, she's, she's a, she's a, uh, they, they, actually, they call them, you know, uh, up until you're 18 years old, they actually still call you infants, like you're infantile. You know, you, you behave, uh, you know, with not, you know, adult characteristics or qualities, infantile. It doesn't mean that you, you know, she, she wets her, her pants and she needs a diaper. It's infantile. You know, she's incompetent. You know, she, she can't care for herself. You can't let her loose into the world and thinks that, well, she knows how to get a debit card. She knows how to go get a, a cell phone. She knows how to go uh, or rent a car. She knows how to go uh, get a hotel room. No, she does not do any of that stuff. You know, you still need mom and dad to lead her, you know, from one end of town to the other end of town. Like, oh, this is how you survive. This is how you make money. This is how you get job skills. She's incompetent. So that's the question I wanted to ask you. How in all that holy hell didn't you explain? I put. I don't know if I, you know, I, I might not have known you at that time, but I, I go bananas when anybody tries to use somebody who's incompetent as a, as a witness. You know, that's, that's a, a very passionate thing that I, 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 I drill. Are you kidding me? Are you telling me, you know, you use the husband against the wife or you use the son against the father or you use, use the minor child? They're not competent. They, they, there's a trust relationship there or there's, you know, they, they, they can't testify. You know, they don't, you know, it, it's, it's private information. It, it happened and so it's, it's, okay, let me put it this way. You've got prisoners of war. There's the Geneva Convention. There's only certain things that you're allowed to ask a prisoner of law. Your name, rank, serial number. And that's all they have to give you. Name, rank, serial number. What's your, what's your kid's name? You know, you, know, you know, what's his social security number? And what's his rank? I'm his son. My name is Ian. This is my social security number. I'm his son. What? Geneva Convention, man. Terms of war. I just have to give him a name, rank, and serial number. I don't have to give you anything else. That's all I'm going to give you. Well, don't you? No. <laughs> You want me to turn, be treasonous against my people, against my nation. So you can't force somebody to disclose troop movements, who's the name of your commander, uh, where is the troops last stationed, uh, where is the troops going to go next, uh, can you tell us um, what they're thinking about doing uh, next October. Do you have any information what's, what, what you guys are going to be doing next week? Next week I believe you're going to do something like call the Tet Offensive. You've you got to disclose us. You, you have to tell us. Oh, we're going to waterboard you. We're going to pull your nails out. We're going to torture your family back home. No, even even rules of war. You cannot force somebody to disclose information that's private, that's in a trust. He's a private in the Army. He's a sergeant. He's a captain. He's a general. There's a trust relationship there. You can't order or force a man to break the trust. It's, it's the most valuable thing we have as human beings on planet Earth is the ability to trust each other. 
So how in all as fucking holy did that fucking attorney not convey that to the grand jury or the prosecutor that, hey, that's the end, there's a social security number, and his rank is that of son. Other than that, you can't disclose, you can't force, because this is under this man's domestic authority. Just like Hillary Clinton said, we would love to go into Syria and kill King Hussein, whatever, King, whatever his name is, King Saddam, I don't, I don't know whatever his name is, for gassing his women and children over there. But according to domestic authority doctrine that's alone and recognized as a legitimate rule of law throughout the entire planet, we cannot cross a border unless we're invited in by the leader, by the daddy, by the Fuhrer, by the A number one guy. We can't cross the threshold. Everybody knows that. That's why King Charles got beheaded. We all know it. It's a basic rule of law. There you go. So how in all that's holy did you spend more than, hopefully more than 50 bucks on an attorney that didn't know how to do that? Well, I I was learning your videos at the time. I didn't have that specific information. But what I will say is this. All these attorneys especially at this level. They all pee in the same toilet. They all eat at the same places as these district attorneys. And they are just one and the same. They Hey, did you get ketchup and stuff like that? Ketchup. ketchup and lots of salt. And did you hear me say, man, I can't hear you when, when you're listening on the phone at the same time? It's almost impossible for me to hear. So, you know, like I said, if you want to listen inside, that's fine. What you, oh, well, you can eat inside. Oh, hang on a second. Yeah, so what, sorry about that, Paul. I, I, I turned the volume down, but I forgot to mute myself out. No, that's all right. Uh, so, so you were saying that um, these, these dirty bastards... They, uh, they, they all pee in the same toilet. They eat at the same places. They drink at the same watering holes. They yeah, but was this before you knew me? When this, Was this before you knew me that you, you got this attorney, or did you get him after you knew me? I, I was learning the videos. I didn't know you at the time. I was learning the videos. I was just trying to get up to speed as fast as I could at the time. You, just, you didn't know me personally, you saying. You didn't start talking to me, saying. Oh, no. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. And when and don't forget when they when they pulled this shit at the at the school. I mean, the biggest part of me was angry. You know, how could you do this to a child? Oh yeah. You know, I mean, it's just. That's, oh, see, that's the difference between you and me. When they do that to my kid, when they did that to Cole when he was born, I just smile. And he said, what? I just smile like crazy. He's like, did you just threaten me? He was like, oh, wait a second. Do you work for the county? Because they're nearly bankrupt. Do you get a check from the state? Because they're rich. They're worth $38 billion. We're state employees. Oh, thank God I'm going to be so rich. Go ahead. Just just keep trespassing. Just do it. Oh, oh I'm going to make so much effing money. They're like, what? I said, oh, go ahead. Just trespass. Oh, that little bundle of joy, that my little bundle of property on the other side of the window, that little bundle of joy ain't there in the morning where I lied them tonight. I said, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna uh, own this state. That's when I'm done. So I said, oh, that's plenty. The only thing you're going to need, too, is a spoon. So, um, yeah, so I'm, see, like I said, you get angry. I, And that's what I should have said, and that's what I said to myself. You know, I was saying to myself, Carl, what kind of demented clown are you? that uh, when somebody's threatening to take your kid, you see, oh, wow, this is the golden opportunity to take control of the state. <laughs> this is a golden opportunity to be the richest man here in the state. How come I don't look at it in a form of panic 
And how come I'm not crying and jumping up and down and screaming and getting all emotional and threatening to hurt people when I just smile and go, did you just threaten me? And you, you're a public servant, right? Okay. You, you work for the county and the state. State. Oh, sweet Jesus, look. I'm, you, just, you just threaten, oh, my God, you just threaten a member of the public. Oh, you're a public servant. Oh, this is, oh, is going to be so much fun. You know, you know, like I, like I said, even in the year 2000, I, I mean, I knew, you know, who they are and who I am and what they are and what I, that's my, oops, sorry about that. I knew it crystal clear. You know, I don't know why I was so good at that kind of stuff, you know, but like I said, it's just like simple things like my dad told me. He's like, I don't care, you know, JFK, you're Jesus Christ, or you're the Pope, you know, you still put on one pant leg at a time, you know, you, you know, it doesn't matter. He ain't no better than you. You're all, you know, we're all equal. We're all the same. You know, just because you got a badge doesn't mean you know, got some special powers. You don't throw a lightning bolts. You know, he's still just a man. But yeah, like I said, I just can't understand how that attorney allowed that to continue to go forward. I just, I do not understand well, how the how the attorney did not jump up and down like me and say, he, "You've got to be kidding me." Name, rank, serial number. I'm done. That's my dad. He's a trustee. I can't disclose location of anything because, you know, Geneva Conventions clearly stays in a rules of war, da 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 You know, I'm not a member of your family, sir. I'm a member of this family. Do you think I'm a member of your family? Do you think I'm a citizen of something of your family? No. I'm a citizen of my family. And see, that's a piece. Somebody, some guy said that to me the other day. I don't know where he's from, Oklahoma, some ridiculous place. He says to me, uh, something about being a citizen means a member of a city. I said, oh, really? So if I'm a citizen, I'm a member of a city, what's the closest city to me? The closest city to me is about 45 miles away. So how could I be a citizen? I said, no. Literally, a citizen is a member of a family. doesn't mean a member of a city. How, how few people on planet Earth probably really live in a city? So I said, no. Where are we getting this word from? It's a member of a city. I don't know. You probably got it from, uh, uh, you know, 1780, 1790, um, you know, after the French Revolution, a member of the city of Paris or whatever, you know, because they always used to say we watch any kind of old movie. Hey, Citizen Bob. Yes, Citizen Jane. You know, you know after the Steel Day, oh, they called each other citizen like crazy. But no, citizen means a member of a family. So like I said, with like Ian or something like that, if he's a member of your family, you know, he, you know, he's not a member of somebody else's family. You know, he's, he, you know, he is of yours. And see, this is what people are having a hard time. And I guarantee, like I said, when I was a kid, my dad would tell us, you know, you know, be, you got to be polite to a police officer, but don't give him anything. You know, don't don't give him, you be nice and polite. You say yes, sir, no, sir. He says, what's your name? I say, what's your name? What do you mean, what's my name? Ain't you a cop? Yeah. Ain't you like got a badge? Ain't you like a detective? Ain't you like an investigator? Yeah. You tell me. You tell me what's my name. He said, don't disclose anything to these guys. They're not your friends. They're not here to help you. You know, you're gonna, you're still gonna do as much jail time whether you help these guys or not. He says, so you know what? Make them do their damn job. Don't make it easy. Don't say nothing. You say, hey, you know what? They put you in the job. I thought they're getting paid. They're paying you. They're getting paid. Don't you get paid good money to investigate crimes? Ain't you the detective here? Ain't you the smart guy here? Yeah. Well, then you tell me what I did. You tell me who was here with me. You tell me what my name is. He says, oh, you're not going to cooperate with me? What, I'm going to help you do your job? No, you're going to help me on the docks? You're going to help me on the loading docks tonight? You're going to come down at 11 o'clock and help me load? No. Well, then why well, I should help you do your job? He said, don't help them do nothing, man. They ain't here to help you. You know, just 
You know, tell him to do the damn job. Say, you ain't going to get nothing out of me. You know, like I said, it was the old New York thing. You know, snitches get stitches. You know, you don't say anything. You don't know nothing about nothing. You know, just keep your mouth shut, and before you know, poof, you're gone. You're out. Why you're out? Because you're on your worst enemy, man. You open your mouth, you say something, you're your own worst enemy. They're going to use everything you say against you, man. There's nothing that you could possibly say that's going to get you out of that situation. So you might as well sit down and shut the fuck up and let them do their damn job. You know, and just wait for help. And somebody will come and help you and they'll get you out. Yeah. But see, that's what I'm saying. Parents don't teach their kids that. You know, when the teacher says this to you, you know what? you got to talk to the teacher and talk to the guidance counselor and talk to the principal. You know, my dad was basically up until the point was to say, hey, you know what? The most you can tell this guy is like, go suck an egg. Other than that, don't, you know, don't, don't, don't really curse him. He says, hey, you know what? Go suck an egg. What? Go suck an egg. How much are you going to get out of an egg if you suck it? Nothing. Yeah, well, that's what you're going to get out of me. Nothing. So go suck an egg. You know, so that was like online in New York. Hey, go suck an egg. Why? Go ahead and suck an egg. How much are you going to get out of an egg when you're sucking it? Nothing. Well, that's what you're going to get out of me. Nothing. So go suck an egg. <laughs> you know, but that's what I'm saying. It's just, that's the way we were reared. That's the way we were raised. Yeah. So, well, like, well, it's going to. Tell you, I've learned a great, great deal, but uh, the most of what I've learned is what the time that you've spent and Gus has spent talking to me and helping me, uh, uh, helping me, uh, for want of a better description, understand the workings on their side and also how uh, defective their thinking is about uh, harm and wrong and right because they can't plug into any of that stuff. They just don't get it. Yeah, they don't care. They got, they got a job to do. It's like me. I got a job to do. And it's funny. <laughs> Anybody who works with me, they can say, hey, Carl, what are you saying? The operator's manual says this. The directions say this. I say, oh, yeah, let me see that. Yeah, and I rip it up and I throw it. And I, you know, say, yeah, great. I'm going to use a bird cage for bird droppings. I say, well, Carl, this is a safety manual. Yeah, 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 whatever. You know, I rip that chain guard off that thing. I ain't got time for this. Oh, but Carl, no, no, look, I got a job to do. I don't give a damn how it gets done. Just do it. And what's funny is they, this is what you were afraid of, too, that they were just so zealous in what they were doing. And I said to you, um, uh, he's like, oh, yeah, but if we do this, I'm do this. This guy's so zealous because you're saying that some lady said, oh, yeah, he's very, um, what did you say that the lady said? He was very zealous or something about his job, passionate or? Extremely zealous at his job at getting results. Right. So what I say to Paul, it's like Paul got worried. Like, oh, my God, Paul, they're really going to come after me now. I'm going to put this in. They're really going to tighten up the news. They're really going to start kicking ass. I said, no. What they do is they, they love these zealous guys. They they cheer these zealous guys on. Rah, rah, rah. Go get them, Tiger. Go get them, Tiger. Go get them, Tiger. When a Tiger gets sued, those guys make a beeline, and they make a, such a wide gap between them and the Tiger. Like, um, Tiger, um, yeah, I'm busy. You can't talk to me right now. What? And that's their boss. It's like, yeah, as a matter of fact, um, we're going to have to suspend you for a while. We're going to put you on temporary leave up. Yeah, we heard you were being sued. Yeah, you got sued. Uh, yeah, you're indemnified to a bonding company called Travelers, the Travelers Loop with Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah, and they found out that you um, you were sued, and they pulled your bond. What? They pulled your bond. Oh, I didn't know you operated. Oh, I don't know under a bond. Yeah, operating under a bond. So um, we're going to have to, uh, you know, Travelers said that they can no longer indemnify you, but if you provide a different uh, indemnify you, we can put you right back on the force. It's like, oh, really? Why, how much does it cost? Oh, and the Travelers Group, they only used to charge us $2.16 a year for you. Oh, really? 
Oh, that, that's cool. So uh, I just got to get another indemnifier? Yeah, but the next indemnifier you get, they want a $100,000 deposit. Why? They want 100000 deposit. Why? Because you're being sued. So see, this is what I'm trying to say. Once those people get sued, they, they're, 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 they're rah-rah fucking bosses and their rah-rah agency you know, heads tell, go get them, Tiger, go kick ass. Yeah, but then once they get sued, they leave them out to dry. And that's where I tell people, go read Rayleigh versus Reigns. And that's an Alabama case where a cop did the same exact thing, you know, be very aggressive, stop all these car drivers, blah, blah, write us tickets, blah, blah, all this nonsense. He was a good little trooper, good whatever, you know, a uh, cop, whatever. He uh, shoots and kills a guy, then they leave him out to dry. They don't even give him a, uh, uh, an attorney for his trial. You know, they they don't care. And he had to sue the state for, uh, he's like, well, I was acting as a cop at the time of uh, the time I shot the guy. He's like, no, because you shot the guy in the back. You know, that's not what a policeman does. And the guy's like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. I thought he was going for a gun. Yeah, well, you were also outside of your jurisdiction when you did it. Oh, that's because I was on a high speed pursuit. He's like, yeah, you know what? We're still not going to uh, pay for your attorney. We're still not going to cover your court costs. And, uh, you know, the widow is going to sue you, and she's going to take away everything you've got. And then there was, I think, C6. Um, this is one of the, the six ways that you could actually sue the state government. And uh, that's why I was studying Rayleigh versus Reigns. And then, like, when it, with Alabama, there was, like, four out of six things that the state of Alabama did and the, uh, the agents of Alabama did that gave me the capacity to sue them as a government entity, you know, because it's very hard to sue a government entity. So I really was studying as many cases as I could, and Rayleigh versus Reigns was one of them. And um, this is what Paul was worried about, that he was really going to come after him. And I said, as a matter of fact, Paul, since I made a claim against uh, Mike the Cop, this yeah. Anita Harris lady, it has, yeah. gotten very, it's gotten very quiet and mellow around here. You know, no more harassment, no more nonsense from these people. My mom went to court. Last Tuesday, she said, man, no more jokes, nobody smiling, nobody high-fiving, nobody laughing about what you're doing. She said, man, they were all deadly serious, you know, because they were sued. And, then, and then, you know, like I said, the next guy gets sued, I can sue the next guy, sue the next guy. Like I said, it's been 16 days. They they only got five more days to answer. They put the suit in on uh, the 23rd of uh, December. And um, I'm trying to think, 23rd of December... I put it in, so that's, uh, what, eight days plus, what's today, the sixth or something? I'll pull it, I'll pull it up right now. So, um, Gus probably got it, though. Uh, 23rd of December was the Friday. Uh, no, sorry. 23rd of December was the Wednesday. Right. It's Wednesday when me and Donald went down. Yeah. So uh, 23rd was Wednesday, so... Yesterday was two weeks. They've only got till the 13th, which is the uh, grand jury appearance of Donald, too. They only got till next Wednesday. Yeah, I have to go look into the case file and see exactly what day she was actually served. Because me and Donald went down there on the 23rd and handed the director the... Um, the suit, 
but that's not officially being served. So I don't know if she was, like, officially served on, say, the 27th, you know, after Monday, after Christmas. I don't know. I have to look at the lawsuit. But I just think it's a lot of fun that they have a countdown. And how are they going to answer? I'd love to hear him say that, we, you know, I failed to state a claim, which will at least get he granted. Because <laughs> I failed to state a claim, hmm. Well, I made a claim that you took my property, Exhibit A, and relief could be granted. Return it. No, I think that's a pretty good claim. You took that which is mine, return it. See, Exhibit A, can you return it? Yes or no? Because you're the one who signed the paperwork. You're the one who petitioned the court to take her away in the first place. So are you the one, are you, do you have the capacity to withdraw your petition? I bet you do. You can bet they'll find a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you were saying, you call me up all morning. I mean, we were going on and on and on for hours, back and forth, back and forth, sending paperwork. Yeah. And you finally finished it up, and it looked pretty damn good. Okay. And and I, I liked it. I said, go ahead, dump it in their lap, see what happens. So explain to them other people a little bit what happened, because like, we were very, um, Okay. I was very animated at times, let's put it that way with you. <laughs> <laughs> To get the damn job done and just get the damn thing in. We need uh, we need we need a good beating once in a while, Carl, because we got to we got to march in line to common law, not to uh, where our mind's been trained from a young age. Okay. But um, I drive out to the courthouse and um, I, well, I called out there and they told me the fee was going to be 150 bucks, 175 if you want them served. And uh, and I thought, well, I've got I had two with me. You know, I had enough to do two two suits with me, uh, two uh, claims. Uh, I got one of Ben's claims ready too. Yeah, but I just we just did the one. We did um. Yeah, but I had Frank. Frank and who's the other? Frank is the one we had. Okay. And uh, but I had the real simple one for Ben ready also, and I thought, well, I'll go down there, and uh, before I get down there, uh, let's see what the game is. And I get down there, a beautiful courthouse. I mean, just real nice. Out of the way, uh, great people. You can tell the whole environment down there, they like to be left alone. They're, they're the <laughs> same kind of people that, that you see up in your neck of the woods. They're away from right. the city. They don't want to be bothered by anybody. They have a nice little thing going on, little, uh, you know, square, uh, you know, town square and whatever. I go in the courthouse, and uh, they got the clerk's office as you go in, or one of the clerk's offices, and I said, you know, I'm looking for... Uh, for uh, for this office, and they say, oh, you'll need to uh, you'll need to go to the end of the hall and down the stairs, and you need to ask for. And they gave me a name, and I went in there, and I go down there, and the lady said, uh, well, we're inundated with cases in our end of it. You need to go up to the third floor and file up there. And I said, but you do understand, this is the court I want. And she said, yeah, go up there. I I go up there, and I meet the clerk and master of the courthouse, and the clerk for that uh, for that court on that floor, and I said, uh, and the, I showed my documents to the clerk, and I said, uh, I, I need to file this today, and uh, I brought three copies so you can stamp them all and just give me a couple of copies back, and I'll pay the filing fee. And uh, the woman who was the clerk struck out something on the top of the paper. She struck out my name from court. Oh, fall, slow down, slow down, slow down. Okay. Because I jumped your shit when you called me up. 
And you yeah. said you were in circuit court, and you said you missed a very important thing. You said, why did you have to go to the third floor instead of filing in circuit? They, they said at the time, they said that they had too many cases and too much caseload down there, and they could not get it filed today, even though I had like two hours to spare if I waited. And um, the woman who was the actual clerk for the court had a stack of files on her desk, and she had another lady helping her. And I, I just said, I said, ma'am, this is really important. I, I said, uh, I, don't, I don't care if I have to wait. And she said, you do understand we can't give you, uh, we'd be unable to give you a, a trial by jury quickly. And I said, I don't care if it takes months to get the trial by jury. I need the papers signed today. And she said, you can have, they looked at the papers. And then when they looked at the papers, they said, you can have the same court on the third floor. So I was mistaken. I thought, oh, yeah, you were, you were pissed. You were like, you were worried you were going to piss that they were like blowing you off? Yeah, I thought they were blowing me off because the circuit court was downstairs and the chancery court was upstairs. And you'd kind of warned me not to go to chancery court. Just like you said, don't never go to chancery court and take your chance. So I go up there and I'm really apprehensive. And I get my papers up to the clerk there. And she struck the first copy. She struck my name right out the top of the uh, thing where it said, my name court. And I said, hold on a moment. And the clerk and master was there, and uh, I looked at him and I said, "Can you can you help me out here?" I said, "This has to be filed the way the way it's written. I can't have any uh, changes on these documents." Right. So you had poor court going at. So at first you had poor court going at circuit court, right? Correct. Okay, and they struck out your name, said no poor court here, right? Correct. And they wrote in there, "Chancery," where my name was. Right. You were pissed. I was pissed. And I looked at the clerk and master, and I said, look, I need your help. He was an older guy. And I said, I need your help. I said, this has to be filed correctly. There can be no changes to this paperwork. I said, because the guy I'm going after, I said, he will find a loophole, and I will never get the money that he owes me. I'll never get the return of my property. I said, you've got to help me out here. I said, I heard you guys were really good at what you do. You've got to help me out. And uh, he said, you have another copy of your paperwork? I said, I've got two more, but I can't take no chances. He stood right behind the clerk as she was entering it in the computer, and she was going to enter it differently. And he said, no, give the man what he wants. Knows what he wants. He's clear on his papers what he wants. He wants a common law court. He could see it. The clerk and master could see it. Yeah. And he said, he wants a common law court, and we're going to have to let the judge know that he needs a common law court, not a standard court like we would normally do here. And, uh, and he, he went through a couple of details with me. He said, you don't want a trial by jury? I said, that's correct. He said, you want us to record everything? So court of record? I said, that's correct. I said, but I want it a common law court. This is not a chancery court issue. I said, this is to hold court in your building down here and to have your uh, appointed judge to be the, uh, the man who sits in the middle of it all. And uh, he said, I know exactly what you want. And he stood behind the clerk. And uh, she put something in the computer wrong. He said, no, you can't do that. He said, give the man what he wants. His papers are right. He's clear on what he wants. Give him what he wants. Stamp him with a case number. And I said, now, you do understand. I don't want a civil rights complaint or anything else. I said, I want my money back. And this is all about so, the law. So, so do you understand why I tell people, just do it the damn way I tell you to effing do it. 
Because then you'll see a master of the court will say, hey, this shit is correct. He did it exactly the way it needs to be done. Who, for defending the Crown Court Canada, who taught you how to do this? Who knew how to do it correctly? How did you, who figured this out? Because once you figure it out and it's in the writing, it's over. They're like, it's just correct. What? It's correct. You know, like you said, the master kept on going, no, don't do that. Yeah, he pulled his own clock Right, he specifically wrote it this way. He knows what he's doing, or yet, at least you're convincing you what the hell you were doing, enough to get the master to think, hey, Paul, you you were a freaking uh, little genius over here, you know? And can you imagine if you really do study this stuff and you get really good at it, you know, how much fun it's really going to be? So go ahead and just keep saying what the master said, whatever. You know, the master, you know, I said to him, I said, do you have any problem with the paperwork I've got or how I want it filed? He said, no, not at all. And he looked over at the clerk and he said, give the man his case number. And I said, you do understand I don't want a civil rights complaint. I don't want it moving. I don't want anybody adjusting any of my paperwork. I want it the way it's written. He said, absolutely. He said, you'll get what you want. He said, and we don't change anything here. You get a case number, you get a case file, and that's it. He said, we'll take your money. That's the only thing we'll take. And I said, well, I'll pay you in cash. I said, you take cash. He said, as long as you've got an ID. He was joking, of course. And yeah. um, he, uh, and I said, you know, if you do a good job for me on this, I said, I've got two of his friends I want to I wanna file papers <laughs> on next week. <laughs> and I said, and he looked at me. I said, oh, I'm serious. He said, and you don't mind the 300, and, it, was three, it wasn't 150 bucks. It was 320. And I said, right. you don't mind, he said, you don't mind the $329 fee? I said, no. I said, I'll pay the fee if you guys can do it. He said, do you think it will go to trial? I said, hand on heart, one of these three men has been very difficult to deal with. I said, but hand on heart, one of them knows right from wrong. I said, I believe that he's going to do the right thing. And uh, and he said, well, he said, well, however it turns out, it turns out. He said, uh, he said, if you need an audience with the judge to uh, let him know what it is you want in your court, he said, uh, just give me a call and we'll set it up. He said, and uh, I'll have to ask the judge without you present because there can be no impropriety, you know, between parties or anything. And I just want the judge to know that uh, I haven't spoke to you, uh, you know, and not the other, not the other party. I said, that's fine. Right. It's an ex parte, parte hearing. But that's what I was trying to say to you. When you were telling me this on the phone, I was livid, man. I was like going bananas on you. And I was like, no, you, you, you look, Paul, you're going to have to get something called a precipice day, uh, a preliminary hearing, a preliminary trial. You're going to have something between you and the judge. And you're going to have to send them a note, and you're going to have to send the judge say, look, this is what I require. When I show up today, remember what I was telling you? Do you remember what I said to you? What you require to send to the judge, what that you want him to do? So, there's, so it's crystal clear that when you actually attend into that, you're present in that courtroom, do you remember what I told you that you basically had to write to the, and you told me to scribble something down and you'll make sure it gets to the judge, but can you kind of remember what I told you that, you, you know, needs to be sent to the judge? Some, something that the, the jurors would decide and that the judge was, am I right in saying an arbitrator? Well, he's just going to bear witness to what the jury rendered that day, the judgment that the jury rendered. He was yeah. just going to be there to bear witness to swear. I saw Paul present his case. I saw... The other man present his case. I saw the jury come back with their verdict. I was there that day. 
this is what actually happened on this day. The jury tended this verdict on this day. What the actual verdict is, it's none of the concern of the magistrate or the judge or the clerk. Anybody could basically just bear witness on behalf of the court that this is what happened on the day, and he'll swear it was true. What's funny is, if you watch some, like, old cowboy movies, right, watch some old cowboy movies, and you'll see this guy who is the judge. Okay, this is real common law stuff. If you watch the old, old cowboy movies from the 1940s, 1930s. Ninety percent of the time, the judge was sleeping. Sleeping. Because he was just there to bear witness. He didn't really give a damn what the testimony was. He didn't really give a damn what the hell was going on. He was just there to make sure you spoke. You were done. You finished. Okay, good. Now, the other side speaks. Okay, you're done. You're finished. Okay, great. Jury, you know, have at it. You know, go, go. you know, you know, sequester yourselves. You know, go sit in the back room somewhere and come out with a verdict. So it was so funny. If you watch the old cowboy movies, they usually just had an old guy in there who just had a bare witness. You know, he doesn't give a damn what the hell's being said. He doesn't care. You know, he just falls asleep, takes a nap, like, and somebody starts laughing in the courtroom. He opens his eyes and says, well, what, what's going on? Well, who's, who's turn? Is it who's supposed to be speaking? Oh, you are? Oh, okay, okay. Are you done? Where, where are we? Can somebody tell me? And then I'll say the judge, the bailiff will say, oh, judge, you know, yeah, he was saying this. And he said, oh, the judge will laugh. Oh, that's funny. That's a good one. Yeah, but yeah, but we've got to take this serious, folks. And uh, let's move on. Whose turn was it to speak? Okay, go ahead. Just keep, keep talking. And then he'll go take a nap again. Down here in Virginia, when I asked the uh, attorneys, it says, Where in the, when you hold like a quarter bracket like that, and the, does the, doesn't the judge sit to your left? And he says, no, the judge sits behind us, and we present our case to the jury. I said, oh, okay, I thought most times the witness was over to the left. He says, well, that might be in some courthouse, but the federal courthouse down here, the United States courthouse down here, the federal courthouse down here, the judge is behind everybody when you require you know, like a court of record, where the magistrate is independent of the tribunal. He sits behind everybody. You know, he'll just yell, look, hey, 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 it's not your turn to talk. Hey, just stop. You know, the other side, hey, you know, he'll be like the umpire at a tennis match. He'll be outside of the court, outside of the net. You know, he's not standing in the middle of the court, in the middle of the net. He's shooting tennis balls over the guy's head. No, he's, he's to the side. You know, he's just an impartial witness and saying, hey, 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 that was out of bounds. Hey, hey, you know, your turn. You know, he's just basically making sure he behaves. So that's great that the court master said that. So I'll write something for you, obviously, what you need to get before that judge. So when he sees it, he'll say, holy shit, this guy is like competent. This guy really knows what we're going to do here. He has an idea what he wants, and he's going to require this of me, and I better do it. You know, I better, this guy sounds like he, uh, he's not somebody to mess with. He's going to sound like super genius. When I, when I told the clerk master, I said, look, you do me a good job on this. I got two two of his friends I want to bring down here. He said, I'll take your money. Don't worry about that. <laughs> and and, and what, did, what did he say about the judge? What kind of demeanor does this judge have? Asked, I said, uh, I said, you know, I said, I don't, I don't know how many judges you got down here or anything else. And I said, uh, I said, tell me a little bit about the judge. I said, uh, I don't want to know his name. I said, but just how do you do things down here? And he said, oh, he's an old-time judge, and he understands real law. And I said, you mean real law, not, not, not all this other stuff that they go on with uh, these days. He said, no, we, we like to live old school down here. He said he likes real law. So he kind of said that he's going to like to see your case, or? Yeah, I think, I think so. And uh, don't forget, yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, because you told me, you said the, um, the master said... Um, he says, oh, yeah, he loves 
he loves hearing old time law like yours. He likes going back and doing it the old fashioned way. He doesn't like it the new stuff. He actually likes doing the old law. He does. Yeah, he does. I tell people there are judges who enjoy doing this old stuff. Like when I went to England, when I put the notice in there with two sentences, the judge just looked at me and <laughs> he looked at the crown's prosecutor and said, you know, do you see this notice? No. You could, you, you, you better not because I don't either. He said, but there's a man over there that I don't recognize. And I'm sure he does. And uh, you better go out in the hallway and settle this with this man because it's over. And in volume, they would start jumping up and down and say, see, he doesn't say, he see. I said, dude, it's over. You didn't hear the judge say, it's over. But it's over. The judge knows what I'm doing. I'm throwing the old school rules down. And since it's not outlawed, it's still in law. I'm using old law. And this guy's like, oh, this guy just did the old uh, two sentence, I'm done. Uh, you know, not Philip Lowers. I'm not going to go on and drag this on for 16 years. No. Two sentences, I'm done. Watch when I make my claim. It's going to be one sentence, and I'm freaking done. You know, I said, it, it, it shouldn't have been, it shouldn't have had to go to the claim. The Crown Prosecutor should have came out in the hallway, which he did, and he did talk to me, which he did, but he had absolutely no clue what I was doing. He just, like, looked at me, you know, uh, what the hell are you talking about? I don't have a clue. You know, but like you said, at least the master that you're dealing with, you're going to have a lot of fun because you have a judge who actually knows what's going on. And now you just got to tighten up your game a whole bunch of notches because, like, at a scale of 1 to 10, you're probably a 2 or 3. Yeah, you know, you got to just tighten up your game a whole bunch of notches because if you do, you'll have a lot of fun. If you don't, the judge will say, oh, damn, I was hoping a guy who knew what he was doing. Oh, my God, Jesus. I was so hoping that this guy knew when I asked him, do you want me to place the witness on the stand? No, I don't want nothing from any man. I require. No, 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 no. God provides all. You know, so I don't know how good you're going to be like that, how I do it, where I find every little damn word. And I will straighten that judge out. I will straighten that clerk out. I'll straighten him out. Say, nope, go straight this way. No, no, don't take me down that legal path. No, 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 you, no, we're going this way. The king wants us nothing. You know, oh, oh, oh hell no. No, the king doesn't want anything from himself. No, 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 you're going to, no, you, I'm required. You to do, I do this for you, you do this for me, this is how this works. No, 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 no. This, no, no, you, you're going to know your position, your status. I know what I do, you know what you need to do, and this is the way we're going to vote. You know, don't, don't, don't think you're going to take over my court. Oh, no, no, no. That, that ain't going to happen. So, like I said, you know, it's just a, you know, like I said, it's a lifestyle for me because I've been doing this nonsense my whole life, having an attitude my whole life. And uh, people would say, well, you know, it's, it's like the attorney wrote in um, at the trial two weeks ago that my mom was at. said, your son has a very uh, bad track record of accepting authority and accepting uh, authoritarian figures. And I said to my mom, I said, authority literally means dictator. If you go to edamilemind.org or .com, whatever edamilemind is, and you type in the word authority, it'll say dictator. It's like, yeah, I think I have a very hard problem with dictator because dictator is why the Lenses left Germany because they were, the dictator was going to kill Uncle John, because he was born a runt. And he grew up to be six feet something tall, but at the time of the birth, he was a runt. 
and they had to run out of this country to save the baby. So, yeah, I have a hard time dealing with dictators, with dictatorships. I have a real hard time doing that. <sighs> yeah, you wanna, uh, what's that? Oh, my credit card. Takes my I'll tell you, you know, um, you touched on something a couple of weeks ago, and it's kind of related to everything that's going on, both for you and me, Carl. But um, there was a time when you were dealing with Alabama where you had to find a different venue to where they had their, quote, authority. And so you had to move things around. And I made the mistake of trying to file in the same courthouse uh, back in November as where I think the government were going to file. Oh, that was yeah, mistake. you were going to go on freaking uh, United States District Court. Yeah. That was hysterical. Yeah, that's right. I want bananas on you for that, too. Well... It was it was my mistake, but the thing still sat there. Apparently, it's still you can still find it. Yeah, yeah, but I, I kept trying to warn people: you got to go to these little mom and pop courthouses. You know, stop going to this. What you think is these monolith? Uh, you know, you know uh, the end all, the be all United States District Courts. It's like no, no, no. You're going to get a real court and real justice if you go to a mom and pop courthouse, especially. Especially like me, if you go and find a, a town that needs the business and they like to be left alone. These people, they don't like to be messed with. They're, they're kind of similar people to uh, where you are. My town's like a hybrid town because we're closer to Nashville and we have a courthouse here in town. But these these guys who live out in the country, they want to be left alone. They're not interested in somebody dictating to them how they live their life. It's going to be the perfect jury for me. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I was trying to say with uh, um, the United States District Court, so, you, it's, so many people are enamored just by the name and the symbolism and the, and the big, mighty eagle and the thunderbolts and the shields and, and, oh, look at the size of this building. Oh, my God, this is a real justice we're going to get here. Oh, man, look at the power and the authority and the might of the United States government. Wow, we're going to throw thunderbolts at this guy. He's going to crack pickles. You know, and they're like, no, no, no. Go to mom and pop courthouses, you know. They got the same, uh, you know, they they got this just as much power, they got as much authority as uh, these um, United States District Courts. You know, there's a commodity clause, a com- comedy clause, okay. C-O-M-I-T-Y clause. Mm-hmm. It's a the credit clause. They have just a, any competent jurisdiction, any competent, you know, you know, whatever ruling is made, it could be made in a, a town or county that's got, you know, some, yeah, hang on, trying to left the place right there. Whatever place that you go, you know, in the country, man, they'll accept a full faith and credit clause or, like I said, a, a comité clause. You know, it's, a, you know, a, when you have a, it's just like with this gay marriage thing. You can get married now in any way. You get married in California and they have to recognize it in Maine. You know, whatever ruling you get, no matter where you go, if it's within the United States territory, you know, it will be recognized as a legitimate court order or a le- legitimate judgment. It will be considered bona fide. It's good. You went before a competent tribunal? Yes. You went before a competent court? Yes. You got a ruling? Yes. You got a judgment? Good. It, it works no matter where you go. So why in the world would you want to go to the United States District Court when the United States government employees 
are the ones that are pursuing you. Why would you want to run into their backyard and say, help me? What's the odds of that happening? Yeah, the, 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 it's, it's, a, you know, it's a stacked deck. It's, it's like playing the casino house rules. Right, but at one time before you met me, you thought it was great because look at the might. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, you just go straight. Yeah, like I said, uh, you look at the might of the United States government. Yeah, if you're going to get to the right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm just telling this guy how to get directions. And it's funny. I picked up the battery so that uh, the guy even threw in a... Uh, the guy even threw in a uh, drill. Uh-huh. That was pretty... That was 60 bucks. He threw me a drill and three batteries in the charge. So that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> but anyway, you know I'm saying? The prestige and the might of the United States government, that's probably what att- attracted you. What... Before you met me, is there is that the reason why you went towards the United States uh, courts instead well, of going to the local mom and pop court? I mean, who advised you, or what made you lead to, led you to believe that the United States court system was the place to go? What 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 was your train of thought there? What made you believe that that was the right way to do it? There was two parts to that. I didn't have enough background, and I'd looked at some of your papers online, but it was in talking to Donald. He said, "Go ahead and get the claim filed." At the United States District Court. Get the claim filed at the United States District Court? Um, that's what I, I've made an assumption. Okay, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm saying. That's what Donald told you to do. I'm saying go to the United States District Court. Yeah, and uh, and obviously I went up there and paid the 400 and some dollars and, and all the rest of that bogus stuff that went on up there because the chief judge went and crapped on the case, you know. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Um, I, I didn't see what, see what you guys did at the um, at the United States District Court. Um, what did you guys basically do? We we filed a claim, but it never got served, and it's it may even be sat there right now. Um, and it was uh, it was kind of a basic claim to get the property back, and um, uh, had a couple of uh, I made the. Well, I'm not going to go into the mistakes because the thing's still up there, I believe. But uh, a couple of the mistakes that you knew about today. What did it basically look like? What did it basically did, did I ever see anything that you wrote that basically looked like what you did at the United States District Court? Maybe, maybe not. I don't, I don't think so. I sent it by email, but I don't think you had a chance to look at it at the time. I'm all sure I didn't because just the way you described what you were doing, I was like, this is a total waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as soon as I hear people say they went to the United States District Court, it's like, oh, these and them got a big eagle and a big flag and a big marble building and a, and a teak wood furniture and the mahogany walls. And, yeah, he's just, oh, you know, you know, I got to get him out of this, this ridiculous belief. I was like, look, go find mom and pop. Go find a little old judge. Go find an 80-year-old guy who just loves this old shit. You know, he'll he'll fucking play with you. It's like, oh my god, finally, finally, we can go do some old school shit, man. I love it. Like, can you imagine me being a judge? And then people are coming with me with this legal crap. I'm like, oh my god, another fucking attorney talking with another fucking attorney, and these two saps are just sitting there getting milk dry by this fucking these two stupid attorneys. How can these people be that stupid to just let that attorney just milk the hell out of them? You know, I look at both those saps, and you know, in their three piece suits and ties with an attorney. I say, man, these people are so stupid. Why can't they just fucking talk for themselves? Why can't they just act on their own behalf? 
And now you're coming in and say, oh, boy, this guy's going to act on his own behalf. Hey, this will be fucking great. Finally, a man in my courtroom. It's just like what happened to Brian Bond. The judge stopped the court and said, hey, to the bailiff, guess what we got? <coughs> what? We got a man. What? We got a man in court today. Really? The judge said to the bailiff, when was the last time we had a man in court? 1989, 1991? He's like, yeah, something like that. Yeah, remember his old man, Harold? Yeah, he was the last man to appear here. So like I said, for what? Whatever that was, 15 years? You know, 20 years, 25 years, whatever? There was no man that ever, no man appeared in his court. I'd, I'd be guessing a little bit, but I think the clerk and master had been there 20 years. He was assistant clerk and master in Footnow Full, and uh, the judge was there when he when he got there. So he's been there at least 20 years, the judge. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It was uh, with Brian Bonner's case in Indiana, the judge said in open court, what was the last time we had a man here in this court? You know, and the bailiff was like, I don't know, man. And it was like, old man Harold, remember, like, back in 89, You see what I'm saying? Like, what a unique uh, experience it is like that, to actually have a manicure. Compared to uh, uh, attorneys and plaintiffs and defendants and everything else. Yeah. You there, Cal? Yeah, go ahead. I was just, uh, like I said, I was just asking, you know, you see what a unique experience it is for a judge to actually have a man appear nowadays. You know, 100 years ago, that's all that appeared. Like I said, watch those old Wild Wild West shows, you know. That's all that appeared back then. You know, who's the man that brings the claim? I'm the man who brings the claim that this man's done wrong. Bring your claim forth before the court, you know. Have to read it before the court. I, a man, claim, da-da-da, done wrong, da-da-da, you know, trespass, he stole my cattle. Like, okay, he's, you know says I, who says I did not or did do it. You know, it's just amazing watching the old cowboy movies. <laughs> and that's basically what I'm doing. I'm doing like the yippee ki old cowboy movies. Well, I got, you know? I, I'll tell you the vision I got when I was sat, I, I was sat, you know, getting the papers sorted out and the clerk and master leaning over the shoulder of the the uh, woman who was typing in the computer. And I I got this vision and it will give a little bit of thing. And I, I got thinking about your Trans Am that you have. Ah. And I got which one? about the all these Toyota Prius that are on the road. And I thought, oh, you know, okay. the 100,000 people driving the Prius, and here's Carl going to battle down the right, the fast lane and drive a real vehicle, and that's what the judge wants to do, is drive a real car. He doesn't yeah. want to be one of the sheep. <clears throat> he wants somebody in his room that's going to give him a bit of excitement. Right. It's going to be a little fun. I mean, it's like... Like I said, even like the Brian Bonner, the judge was giving him so much leeway. The judge was like saying, "Are you sure you don't want to prosecute the prosecutor?" He's like, <laughs> "What? You mean I could do that?" It's like it says right here, "That's what you want to do." Is it does? Yeah, it does say that, Brian. Well, like I said, Brian only talked to me uh, from uh, you know four o'clock until five o'clock one afternoon on Sunday, and he had to be in court on uh, Monday morning at uh, eight thirty. So he really didn't have much time to talk to me. So, like I said, you've got a lot more time to talk to me. So you're going to hopefully just, you know, the judge will see, oh, my God, i got a man here. You know, I'm, this is going to be fun. Don't disappoint the guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, he, he's, he's going to be all thrilled. He's like, finally, finally, I get maybe one more before I die, one more before I retire. Oh, my God. Well, you, you know, know, the way, the way he sees it, he's, he, 
he's got he's got a ticket for an Elvis show now on his docket. Right, he, right. He wants to see Elvis perform. Right, or the last time the Beatles are going to perform. What the Beatles? The last remaining Beatles are going to perform? Oh my God! <laughs> you know, like 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 Ringo, you better not die, buddy. You, you come on, Paul McCartney, you better not die. I know you're 80 years old. Don't die on me. <laughs> you know, three three more months, and you know we get to see the last show of the Beatles. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. You tell, I don't want you to disappoint the guy. You know, it's like I, when I went to England. Oh man. Like I said, uh, even the, the interpreter for the job, he said that. He says, I would have never believed it with my own eyes, unless I seen it with my own eyes, that somebody could actually beat the crown. He says, not only did somebody beat the crown, he said that somebody beat the crown in crown court, and he wasn't even an attorney. What's even worse, he's from the States. <laughs> <laughs> he said, there's no way anybody could have possibly told me that that day could have ever happened. He says, tell your friends in the United States, I appreciate it to watch what happened. He says, it was a lot of fun. So like I said, when it, it, the judge gets to see this stuff, to them, it, it is a lot of fun. You know, when you can actually see somebody perform. You know, performing, performing live. That, that's man on stage, man. Yeah, man's on stage. You're shitting me. No. Oh, wow, we're going to get like a real drama, the real blood and guts, the real fight, the real knock them down, the real, it's, we're all in. It's, we're all in. You know, so uh, it's just a lot of fun when everybody realizes, hey, man, you're all in, you're all in, yeah, you're all in. It's a fight to the death. Really? Yeah. None of these well, fucking, you know, tense. I know, I know your plate's full with uh, getting your notices and stuff in by Wednesday for you. But uh, and I know well Donald's going to be with you shortly too, and within the maybe another hour, another hour he should be arriving at the airport. Yeah, yeah. I'm just walking. It's funny. I'm just walking around Walmart because the other guy wants to listen to my show while I'm doing it, but it's a bad echo with his car. So yeah, yeah. So I'm you know it's funny. That's why you might hear something on the loudspeaker. I'm walking. I'm just walking around Walmart, killing some time, waiting for Donald to come here. I did. Uh-huh. I did promise. Uh, I did promise Ian that when we when he gets a break break at school this next time, he, even mm-hmm. if it's snow on the ground, we're going to load up and come come up there for uh, for another three or four days while we can squeeze out the school system. Oh, that's cool. And uh, that's but uh, one one thing I think I think Donald's very aggressive in his paperwork, you know, and I've learned okay. that having gone back well, through everything. Yeah, like I said, we'll let Donald do the next one. You know, you know, this is too important. Yeah, it's just too important. You know, do the next one. You know, we'll we'll get him on something. You know, involved with something. But right now, no. I just you know, just finish this up. Got to do it right. Not that he's going to do it wrong, but he just not doesn't. You know, on a scale of one to ten, again, it's like a three to a ten. You know, come on. You guys are you know you guys are awfully nice guys, but no, you got to be kidding. Now, this is serious stuff we're up against. Yeah, people, people don't understand that sometimes. Yeah, it's like what I'm doing. You know, it's just way too serious what I'm involved with. You know, you know, I'm going after, you know, this guy, Terry McConnell. He's not a clown. Like I said, he's the Democratic National Committee chairman. He's in Cuba right now trying to cut a deal with the United States. Nobody has been able to, been sent from the United States, has been able to open up a market in Cuba. Nobody. So you better believe I'm watching to see what this guy's doing in Cuba. Is this guy going to be able to pull it off? Will he be able to come back with a trade agreement? You know, because he's like, oh, he knows everything about everybody. You know, he's friends with the Clintons, you know. 
this this governor that I'm bringing into an open court, he's not a cupcake. He's not a he's not a clown. This guy's good. Yeah. So like I said, this is for all the marbles. Does the government own my children, or do I own them? Whose children are these? And like I said, if the government prevails, good. At least we got closure now. Now we know once and for all whose kids are these. And then if the government prevails and says, yes, we determined whose children these are, oh, that's lovely. Then I'm going to hand them, she's 13 years old, I'm going to hand them 13 years worth of child support claims. Say, good, these are your kids? Good. I've been taking care of your kids for 13 years. This is how much I need in compensation. And then I'm going to pursue them in court for compensation for child support. <clears throat> Have I been taking care of your kids? Yes. And compensate me. You see how I'm going to, how I'm going to twist it around? So if you face come back and they say it is the United States government's property or it is the state of the Commonwealth's property, the children are that of the state, we have the ultimate control, we have ultimate jurisdiction over them. Oh, cool. So they're yours. They're not mine. Well, I was like, well, it's, it's, it's shared. Also, but it's 51% to 49%. Is that what you're telling me? That you get the 51%, I just get the back seat. I get the 49%. Is that what you're telling me? And to me, it's all or nothing because property means it belongs to one and only one. And only one person can make a claim for it. So then it's truly property when it belongs to one. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because if they say no, it doesn't belong to one. Oh, good. So there's no more property in this land. There's no more property in this nation like Germany. You know, it's all communal, it's all communist, it's all socialist. And the Germans are fine with that. You know, because they're very, like, homogenous type of people. You know, that's like all brothers, sisters. They're all basically, as far as they're concerned, related to each other, so they don't care. You know, so like I said, I wouldn't mind if I was over in Germany. It was a homogenous society, homogenous community, homogenous people. Yeah, I could get all get along. Yeah, sure. You know, I don't mind. They all look like freaking me. They all talk like me. They all, you know, act like me. Sure. I can get along, be part of a group. But in this nation, we're so diversified. No. You know, look, let that Palestinian do what he wants to do. Let that uh, Arab do what he wants to do. Let the Punjabi do what he wants to do. You know, I'm not one big part of their family. Let them enjoy their cultures and their beliefs and let me do more. You know. As long as they're not slicing each other up with a sword, we're okay, right? Yeah, well, as long as they do it within their own community. Right. Don't take it into my community. You know, do it into yours. You know, do whatever you want, but don't do it to my community or my people. You know, that's fine by me. I couldn't care less what they do. You know, it's like somebody was asking me that the other day. It was like, oh, so it's okay for uh, uh, the, the, the government can't come in to your home if your child's being raped. The government has no standing. Like, the government can uh arrest you. It's like, well, let me put it this way. There's a billion, over a billion people on planet Earth called Muslims or Islamic people. There's a billion of them. And they had a leader called Muhammad. And they will kill and die for this guy. They think he's like Jesus freaking Christ. They think he's the best thing since God. And he had a nine-year-old wife. Okay? So if you've got a billion people that think it's okay to marry a nine-year-old and have whatever relations with a nine-year-old, what are you going to tell a billion people that they're wrong? I said, if this is what their beliefs is, if this is their culture, if this is their society, you know what? 
Let them believe whatever they want to believe. Go ahead. Do you think you're going to make fun of their fearless leader? Marrying a nine-year-old? Yeah, see what they're going to do to you. So the best advice that I give to people is like, look, if that's what they want to believe, if that's their culture, just let them have that. You know, it's not my belief. It's not what I wish. And uh, I want nothing to do with that ridiculous nonsense. But who am I to judge? Yeah. As I can say all the time, but that uh, guy from upstate New York who is a uh, Nigerian or Ethiopian, and he got an eight-year-old girl pregnant, and she gave birth at nine. And the people in New York State wanted this guy to hang. They wanted to hang this fucking uncle for getting his niece pregnant at eight years old. And then he had to get an ambassador from his country, whatever country it was, and, you know, East Congo, whatever, Africa, to testify in court on his behalf. It's like, look, the mortality rate of our people is like 90%. Throughout the 10,000 years we've been here in East Congo, we have a 90% mortality rate. The kids die of malaria. They get stepped on. They step on a spider. They, they get bit by an alligator or they get eaten by a crocodile or a lion carries them away or a hyena rips them in half. So as soon as the children can start to breed, we breed. They could be five years old, seven years old, eight years old. And we'd actually say thank you to the uncle for taking time out of his busy day to have sex with an eight-year-old girl because, honestly, an eight-year-old girl isn't very attractive. But he did the communal thing, and he had sex with an eight-year-old. So, honestly, where he comes from, he'd be given a medal. In, in New York State, he's got to hang. Do you see what I'm saying? It's when people want to make just, like, quick judgments all the time, it's very hard for me to get that through to them. You know, do people understand what you're asking me to do? Like, judge. You know, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not just a one-size-fits-all. And you guys think that the whole world should be one-size-fits-all. Like, this one guy keeps bugging me. Like, do you think it's okay for a nine-year-old or whatever, a child to have sex in their home with their... Whatever, I said, look, you want, what you want is a one-world order. So this man is talking to me, he said, you want a cookie cutter. You want it that everybody believes the same thing you believe. And if they don't believe what you believe, you are going to make them believe what you believe. And you're going to force them to believe what you believe. And if they don't, you're going to put them in a box. You're going to put them in jail. Now, the only one that I could say that who could have the capacity to put another man in jail is that man had done somebody wrong. The man deliberately knew that what he was doing was not the right thing to do. Now, like I said, if uh, in your culture, if this is the way you were bred or led to believe or this is the way you were reared, you can't hold a man liable. And it's like, well, you know, this, this guy was doing this in his house with this kid. I, look, he's going to have to answer to his people or his God or his creator someday he don't got to answer to me. He, he didn't touch my kid. You know, he, he did whatever he did with his people, his kind. So like I said, when people just want a cookie cutter answer, it's not that easy. It's not just one size fits all. And people want a one size fits all answer so they could just say, oh, good, one size fits all. And now I could go on and worry about something else in my day. Oh, okay, all, Islam's, all Muslim people are evil. Oh, good, good. We all hate Muslims. Bill O'Reilly says we all hate Muslims. Okay, good, we all hate Muslims. I was like, what, what do you mean? All oh, hate them? They're not all bad. Well, no, he said it's bad. You know, so we got to, Donald Trump says we can't let him in this country. We can't let him in. Okay, you know, he's right. Let's go on. You know, we got better things to worry about. 
so like I said, you know, it's just a, it's just interesting how, well, you know, you have to look at each situation just a little bit different. It's not just a cookie cutter. So when, when you're going into court for this, you know, you're going in and you're trying to save your job, you're trying to save your family, you know, whatever you work for your whole entire life. This isn't a traffic ticket. You know, this is this is definitely serious for you. This is your whole, you know, this is your whole life you're talking about. If and to me, it's, it's ridiculous what they're dragging you in for. Hey, you know what? Why don't you tell people who don't even know who you are and what the hell we're talking about? Why don't you tell them what the hell is this about? I just realized that a lot of people don't even know who the hell you are and what this is about. Well, I um, I run a business that, that uh, is... Uh, that does have federal oversight. We uh, we fix aircraft, and um, so I am certificated under that arrangement. And um, if I was to get a felony conviction of any sort, uh, my lifetime of work and all the stuff that I do, strangely enough, a quarter of all my business is law enforcement business and good law enforcement people. Uh, if I was to get a felony conviction, that would all be over with. And um, when they dragged me in to try and uh, uh, browbeat me with a plea, they told me I would have to go to jail and I would have to take at least one felony, possibly more. Hey, did, did, did they um, did they give that to you in writing? No. No, ah, they would not okay. do that. All right, all right. I'll say, go ahead with the story. Sorry for that. I was just hoping. But, you know, I, I had a great thought. Uh, when I was in the courthouse today, I got to share this one with you quick. One of the guys, the guy who went to the um, school to drag Ian out of class, uh, is one of the guys I want to file on next week, and he is the spearhead of the quote investigation. Mm-hmm. And if he ends up in the court and I question him on the stand, and I ask him in front of the judge and jury, you know, uh, do you recall this? Uh, meeting on the 16th, uh, 17th of September, because uh, his hour is going to be to say that his boss told him to do it, right? Well, his right, boss right. that told him to do it is going to disclose that it was done in this meeting on the 17th of September. Wow. So when he when he testifies in a court of record that his boss told him to do it, and this is why he told him to do it, then I've got all the evidence I need to go after the big one. Right, right. So that's what I thought about him. We need to file on him pretty quick too. But well, like I said, I think the the one that's just like I say. You, you, you like I said, you're gonna. I know you want to just file the crap out of every plane and everything. Believe me, it's just like it's like me. Okay, I go after the director. Okay, it's like the way I look at it is like a movie director. I'm going after the director. Like say my kid was Miley Ray Cyrus, not Billy Ray Cyrus, and this kid, this director won't return. My kid. All this Miley Ray Cyrus, my kid, got hurt while she was making this movie. So obviously I'm going to sue the director. And, but then I'm going to say, wait a second. I sue the director, but the director is just a salaried uh, studio employee. That's not worth a lot. I'm going to go after the executive producer as well, the guy who's got the money, the guy who puts up the money. Who is the person who puts up the money? It's like, oh, it would be the governor. The man is acting as the governor. It's like, oh, okay, you know, they're the ones that would actually have, you know, that's what I'm going after, the, say, the director and the producer. So, like I said, I know you want to go after everybody. But, I'm, but to me, 
your case is a little bit different. This is basically just uh, to let you finish up that this had to do with uh, modifiers. Yeah. You know, you, you, what I'm saying is you're not trying to say that all of mankind has the right to carry a gun. Yours no. isn't like one of these cases, like what I'm trying to do is like, is that my property or is that the government's property? So you're not, you don't have one of these cases that has to be, um, you know, determined you know, for all of mankind to have peace of mind. This is for you to have peace of mind. Yeah. But part of me thinks is if you go after one of these people that did you wrong, Frank or Ben, and you shake them enough, they'll stop. They'll work with you. They'll figure something out. They'll stop. I don't think you have to go after the whole enchilada. I don't think you have to go after everybody. I don't think you have to go all the way to the Department of Justice. I don't think you have to go after Eric Holder. I don't think you have to go all the way. You see what I'm saying? So this is what I'm saying. Try to master what you're doing now with Frank or Ben. Don't try to get too many things juggling, too many things in the air. You know what I'm saying? You're going to be very dis- dis- discombobulated. You know, dis- you know, you're know, you going to be, you're going to be, you're going to drive yourself nuts. Well, you know, I, I got notification. You remember we wrote that nice little pretty letter to uh, Ben's attorney. You remember that? Oh, yeah. And, um, I got the notification today that he didn't get delivery until the 5th of January. He should have got that's it on the 20, 29th, but that's fine. That's a, all right. But, um, I mean, that letter was a sweetheart letter. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I laugh when I read it because we have told his attorney more about what his client has done and is doing than what his client has told him just in about four lines. Right, right. <laughs> well, like I said, uh, like I said, it's funny. I mean, I have no idea. It's like I'm almost doing like a like a stand-up comedy routine or something when I write letters. You know, it's it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, when you really get into the game, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's almost like I said with the other guys, like, you know, apologize for putting his uh, face in front of the uh, policeman's fist and hurting the poor policeman's hand. You know, when he was... Uh, you know, throwing punches in the air, my face actually got in his way. You know, it was ridiculous. So my boot, you know, I'm sorry, your boots got scuffed while I was stomping on my head. You know, how could, you know, can you give me the, you know, the bill for the shoe pair, man, you know, for polishing up your boots again? I'm sorry, my head got in the way of your boot while he was stomping me on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so can you imagine the other side reading this? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when you... We didn't. We didn't accuse him of uh, performing legal services. No, that's right. We stopped. Right. We, we, we no, stopped just guess. shy of that. But right. <laughs> when, when, I, when he asks the other, when he asks, what the hell is this guy going on about? And then the client tells him, "It's like you did not do that." <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah. Well, what was he talking about? This you know, fail to perform a service. Well, can can you can you expand a little bit on what? You know, it's kind of vague. You know, I'm getting a letter from this man here, and you know, so let his client tell him what he's doing. Let it, let it, right? Oh yeah. Let right. it pop on this guy's own freaking mouth. When he when he opens his mouth and he tries to get out of that one, and then our next letter to him is going to be the trust agreement. His yeah, his, his, his attorney's going to going to go take a crap for him, I think. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but let, finish with what you do for a living, you know, because, you know, I cut you well, off, and what, what this I, is all about. 
Okay, I I, um, I uh, fix aircraft and I inspect them and I do uh, NDT work. A quarter of the business, strangely enough, is supporting law enforcement agencies. The run of the mill, the ordinary everyday guys who are just trying to keep the peace, shall we say? You know, they're not bad guys. Nearly, I think, 99% of everybody I've met in law enforcement has been a stand-up, a stand-up man in this. And uh, strangely enough, one man. Uh, I was out on a job. He asked me why I'd been unable to uh, uh, take care of uh, an issue that they had on one of the uh, helicopters. And I said, look, I've got a legal problem going on that I really don't care to have or talk about. And he said, said, give me an inclination. And uh, he actually gave me some very good advice. But um, What was was the advice he gave you? Well, he said... said, Google Google call on YouTube? No, no. His, his first words were, he said, I don't, I don't know you and I don't know what happened. He said, but I'll tell you how the system works in this arena. He said, a guy gets into trouble. He said, they pull him in. They, uh, they tell him that he's going to go to jail for 12 months or whatever they choose. He said, and then they go and tell him that he's got to produce oh, three, yeah, yeah. three four, or five more felons like him in order to get him off the hook and reinstate his life the way it used to be. You're saying saying that, um, I guess let's try to help you to say this, is like uh, the guy gets arrested for, say, selling drugs. Say somebody gets arrested for selling drugs or whatever, and then the cops will say, you got to snitch. you got to help find other people who who sold you those drugs or, you know, uh, so, you know, we'll limit your sentence. We'll... uh, We'll uh, give you some uh, credit for time, sir. If you help us do our job, we'll help you, you know, uh, get out of this situation that you got yourself into. Instead of telling, like we were told, cops in New York, go suck an egg. These guys are like, oh, my God. Okay, I'll do it. They, like, you know, sell their soul. Yeah. Instead of just doing it right, they'll try to pin their friends and their confidants and their people that trust them. They'll try to turn snitch well and uh, so somebody's tried to turn snitch with you but i mean yeah. you know how they plan the whole entire detail but um yeah like the, the officer told you this man yeah. was told to help you know he get, was told he, he was told to get this man off the hook he had to get five felons and he had to get him into the courtroom and however it took it whether they were good or bad men, he had to entrap them or do whatever he had to do to get them in there. Right. And, and he'd worked. Uh, I gave him a job. He came from a trusted resource. Uh, I gave him a job washing helicopters, getting stuff ready for when we were going to repair them. And about two or three months into this, he begged me for a job up in the office. And that was where I made my big mistake. I let him up here in the office. Well, you, did, you said you did some sort of background check on him. And yeah. when he tried to, you tried to get into the military base, like I used to work at all the time, we always get background check. Well, and I, you said he did not pass his background check. Correct. We were supposed to in, uh, I want to say it was probably, I don't have the exact date, but beginning of May, we were supposed to go down to uh, a base in Milton, Florida. And uh, to get on base, of course, you've got to, you know, you got to do your pre, pre-applications of who you are, you know, every well, time. Well, what, what base was down in Fort Walton area? It's uh, it's um, a naval base that flies a lot of helicopters down there. Yeah, but was it Fort Walton? 
Uh, no, it's... Um, uh, okay, I'm just wondering because I work down in a Fort Walton and a naval base down there. I'm just wondering. Yeah, this one's Milton, Florida. It's just a little bit inland from that one. Oh, okay, okay. And um, so we, I had him fill out his paperwork and we submitted it down there. And because I didn't know who would be available to help me on this particular job on this particular day, I, um, what, what I did was I, uh, we submitted four names down there and myself was one of them. And all three other names came back really quickly as approved. And I had to call down because the other two people were not available. And I said, look, this uh, this one man, I said, is he not approved or did I just miss it on the email? And the lady in charge down there said, no, that application's on uh, Mr. So-and-so's desk. He has to look at any application that is unusual. I said, oh. Wow. I said, can you define unusual? She said, I'm not at liberty to disclose that. She right. said that it needs his signature to override uh, whatever it is that stopped his application in the system. Did you ever ask the man? Well, ask him. I I asked very, him. You I, did ask him. I did ask him, and I, I said, look, I said, I can't take you to Milton, Florida. I said, you want to tell me what's going on? And wow. he just And he said, he said, I got in some trouble about three years ago. Wow, said, what did he say he got in trouble for? He just stopped at that point. He kind of stopped, and I said, how much trouble did you get into? And he said, well, my record's expunged. There shouldn't be an issue about me going to Milton, Florida, for sure. Okay. And I said, I said, you do understand that you never told me this on the front end. And he said, right. he said I understand that. He said, but there shouldn't be an issue. He said, if you were to call up the local uh, PD or run a background check through Verify or one of those things, it'll come back clean. Oh, wow. And did you do that or not? I, I ran E-Verify, but that's about as much use as a fart in the wind. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't even know what E-Verify is, so. Yeah, I mean, that, that just says you can fog a spoon if you can find somebody on it. <laughs> okay. You know, I mean, that's just the most, that's the biggest waste of time, because if you're, if you're quote, an illegal alien, you, it'll probably flag you as a future president or something. Yeah, yeah, okay. I don't know. Uh, I was just right. Okay. So, but yeah. So I mean, he didn't get into much detail, but he just said that he had been in trouble, but his record was expunged, and being that it was expunged, there shouldn't be any issues. Okay. And uh, what I didn't know, I find out later, is he was a confidential informant trying to entrap the whole time. He was trying to entrap people, whether they worked for me, whether it was my son. He went on to go after me later, but his whole job in life was to entrap five felons. That was his right. purpose in life, was to get five good men or women into trouble. Right. Well, just right. Whether they were good or bad, he didn't care. He just needed five. Yeah. He just needed five, five anybody. Whether they were good or bad, he didn't care. Correct. Yeah. Correct. No conscience, no feelings, no nothing. Right. Just animal. Right. Well, uh, self-preservation. Yeah, self-preservation. That's what, that's a great uh, motivator in the world, man, is self-preservation. Yeah. You know, no ethics, no morals. Just like, hey, you know, kill if he killed. That's exactly what he was. He was just yeah. a, he's, he's exactly right, Carl. He's a killer. Yeah. Yeah. Survival of the fittest as far as he's concerned. Right. No morals, no ethics. Right. And, but what's funny is they all get this, you know, they all get this. 
you know, you, you get, you know, everybody gets this. That would get us up the comments. Yep. Um, you got about half an hour before uh, before um, before Donald's supposed to arrive down there as okay. well. Okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm I'm real close to it. You know, I'm not far away at all. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's one good thing is I'm I'm really close. So uh, to uh, the airport. I'm just like I said, I'm right by uh, a Walmart right here. Is, so I'm is, just I'm just killing some time because, like I said, he. Um, the man out in the car, he really likes my show. Obviously, he drove all the way from Ohio. Hey, he's, he's been working pretty good, man. You know, some people come down here, man, huh, man, it's like what a waste of time. You know what I'm talking about. And then some people, like this guy, he's self-motivated, so that that really helps me a lot when they take their own initiative. Like you, like I said, when you came down, you took your own initiative and you started doing things without me having to tell you to do it. Well, there's a lot of shit that needs to be done. I mean, if... That's, that's uh, what I'm saying. You took your own initiative, and that's why I say to myself, that's how I figure how I'm going to help you or not help you in court. What you need, do you, how hard do you need me to really hold your hand? You know, that's that's how I, like I say to people, you know, can he be back on his own initiative? Do I have to hold his hand? You know, how confident is he just to do the basic, simplest thing? How is this, like I said, this, like this one man, uh, we put in a, uh, we started to put in the back wall. And uh, the horses broke loose. And, how confident, like, he actually almost tried to hold the rope. And the horse was running wide open, like 20 miles an hour, as in, uh, to get out of the field. And he ran about a quarter mile down the road. But I said to him, let go of that damn rope. <laughs> I was like, what? You're going to lose your arm. Let go of that damn rope. You know, it's like, it was, it was too hard to explain to him. I tried to say, step on the rope. The, do- the horse will feel the line dragging, and the horse will naturally slow down because they're weak spot is like their neck like that. You know, it's painful. So um, he'll think he's going to, you know, hurt his neck. He'll feel a drag and he'll slow down. If he doesn't feel anything and you're holding the end of that rope and that horse is running out of that field wide open, he's just going to pull your arm out of the freaking socket. You know, like let go of the damn rope. I'd rather chase the horse down the road a quarter mile than see your arm hanging off, you know, on the side of your head. <laughs> so like I said, it's funny. It's like how well do they listen? How quickly do they listen? Um, how confident can you carry, you know, uh, you know, duties and responsibilities on your own? You know, how much self-initiative do you have? You know, if I got to chase you around every five seconds, say, do this, do that, do this, you know, take up your shoes, you know, uh, you know, make your bed, you know, you know, see if the dogs need more. You know, I just want to see how you act. Yeah. You know, and like I said, it's it's great to have people come by. So it's like, okay, I see your strength and I see your weaknesses. Yeah. And, oh, I definitely see your strength and I definitely see your weaknesses. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like, you know, it's like you're very family-oriented. So believe it or not, that's a weakness when it comes to these these animals that that they're up against you. You know, they they know that you, uh, you're very family-oriented and they're going to attack your family. Yeah. You know, and they know you're susceptible. And me, I'll say, hey, you know what? You want to videotape them, you know, rip my kid's ear off? Go ahead. You know, put them, take their arms and legs off. I don't care. Do whatever you wish. You know, you're not going to break me. So you see what I'm saying? It's like, oh, we got to find something else that is weak point. we got to find something. You see what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. like, you see what I'm saying? That's how, that's how I try to, like, help people by judging your strengths and your weaknesses. 
Yeah. You know, because this is what they're doing to you. This is how they're going to beat you. They also judge you with strengths and weaknesses. So I'm playing like the devil's advocate. I'm not just giving you a rah rah pep talk and telling you everything's going to be fucking wonderful. No. You know, it ain't going to be freaking wonderful. This is where they're going to attack. This is where they're going to pick on you. Why? Because I see that this is where you're successful at. Yeah. yeah. I did. I did like that idea though today, Carl. When I thought about when I thought about that guy who uh, who, um, who who actually did the extortion for the man in the office in Nashville. And I thought, you know, if it ever came to it, and he had the and he was on the witness stand, and I questioned him, and he said, "Well, so and so told me to do it because I work for him." Right. All I got to do is look at the judge and say, "Your Honour, uh, I." Re- you know, you've just heard a crime being committed. Uh, you know, you've just heard testimony about about a wrongdoing, and I, I require you to uh, deal with it. All right, thank you, ma'am. Hold off. I think they're all like this. Oh, okay, okay, thank you. That's a lady at Walmart. It's just helping me. Thank you. But uh, yeah, like I said, it's uh, like I said, I appreciate the man coming down, and like you said, I think you helped uh, convince him to come on down because it was an eight-hour ride from Ohio. <laughs> oh, that's good. Thank you. Well, I, you know, I, I hand on how I've, I've said it a few a few times. Right now is the time you need all the help you can get. You know, transferring everything, getting the farm up and running, Frank's. God bless Frank. You know he's, you know he's down to one eye and he's locked up, and uh, and you know your mum, your mum as difficult as she may be, you know she can't handle that farm without you, and you're trying to get it all up and running. You need every pair of hands you can get. Yeah, it's just like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Plus, my mom needs help, and like I said, thank God they're not messing with the uh, cold because, like I said, they tried to go after my mom. They tried to go up to my mom and saying that uh, they were going to take coal from her as well. You know, so like I said, they know it's a um, weakness. That you guys have weaknesses for like, you know, you you'll work with us, or we'll take your children. You know, like they could actually threaten you. Can you imagine they threatened you and said we're going to take your one-year-old and we're going to take him. Yeah. How would you, how would you deal with that? I can't imagine, Carl, but I, I've, got to, I've got to face that also. Right, that's what I'm saying. For it. Right, that's what I'm saying. Can you imagine they say, we have friends at social services, and we can make your kids not come home from school. You come home from work, and they're gone. Yeah. You're just going to do what the hell we tell you to do. So you see what I'm saying? They're very susceptible yeah. to the bullshit, you know, and they, they know that what they're doing is terrorist activity. They know. That's, that's what... Uh, Thank you. They know terrorist means to uh, interfere with uh, the function of a government. And you're self-governing. And you want to tell you, you want to get up at 8 o'clock, and you want to go here at 8.30, and you want to do this by 10. You self-govern. You self-propel. You self-determine which way you want to go. Self-determination. And them stepping in your face, threatening you, you know, scaring you, is a terrorist activity. And once... Once people understand what I'm trying to convey, 
when people start laying claims of terrorist activities on behalf on behalf of public servants doing this to us, terrorizing us. You know, they're the ones who are saying, like those Bundy people, you know, the guy started a fire on his property, spread over K to the National Forest. Okay, that's a damn shame. You know, one guy got six months in jail, the other guy got a year in jail. The United States uh, criminal uh, court judge said, wait a second, when you started a fire, it's no longer considered like an accident or negligence anymore. It's considered a terrorist activity. You destroyed government property by deliberately setting a fire. Since you admitted that you deliberately set it a fire, you're a terrorist. You know, so he says, under the terrorist, the new terrorist act of uh, 2000 and, you know, 9 9-11, 9-11-2001 terrorist act, you have to serve a minimum of five years in jail. So the, the, at least the dad and the son, they actually turned themselves in to uh, um, the federal uh, penitentiary system in Los Angeles the other day. And... Uh, so that was pretty amazing because I guess the dad and the son were like, look, we want nothing to do with these bundies. You know, look, look, we'd rather go to jail for five years than to be associated with these freedom fighters who are supposedly acting on our behalf. But to me, yes, the father and son were dealing like clear cutting or clear burning. Yes, they were. And yes, they, the fire got out of control. Yes, and it cost, you know, millions of dollars to put it out, possibly. Whatever it cost, that's fine. The judge, gave, the first judge said, you know, six months... You know, for the son, a year for the dad, fine. They did their time. They let him go. And then another judge said, whoa, 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 whoa. We forgot to charge them with a uh, terrorist activity. So it's like, oh, we did? Yes, we did. So then they had to charge them with terrorist activity, and it fell within that that uh, definition of terrorist activity for some ungodly reason. It fell within that description, and now they got to spend another five years of their lives, and the guy's 73 years old. So that means he's going to be 78 when he comes out, if he comes out. You know, five days is a long time for a 70-year-old. You know, I'm not saying five years. So like I said, if these people want to shove terrorist criminal charges upon us, why can't we seek the same compensation when they're terrorizing us? You want to, you want to know what I, what I wrote about the deal with Ian, uh, with this one guy with Ian on the sure. exhibit? I wrote, yeah. um, I wrote property damage, Ian... Minor son, trespass of taking against will from school agenda, trespass upon trust agreement between father and son, to intimidate, terrorize, torture, and then um, I, I wrote some definitions down as I was getting the papers ready. Intimidate, mm-hmm. to frighten, make afraid from medieval Latin. Torture, pain inflicted by judicial authority as a means of punishment or persuasion. Yeah, why don't you Google the word tortfeasor, too? Go ahead. Do you know what the word tortfeasor is? No. Okay, okay. Once you do a haste, can, uh, Gus, can you Google the word tortfeasor and read tortfeasor after Paul's done? Yeah, I can. Appreciate yeah. it. Go ahead, Paul. Well, keep going, because I think I you guys are really going to jump the word tortfeasor. Tor- torture was pain inflicted by judicial authority as a means of punishment or persuasion from 12th century Latin. Terrorize, coerce, or deter by terror. And terror, fear is so great as to overwhelm the mind. And uh, so, you know, I'm pretty accurate, I think, on what I wrote uh, as, uh, you know, damage to my property. 
I lost you, Kyle. I mean, I was very impassioned as well. You know, you sound very impassioned about this. Like I said, when when I went after this, I did it with like a zealot, and it was incredible what I um, was putting. In. Man, I, I my first lawsuit. I bet my first lawsuit must have been three, four hundred pages. I guarantee it was. It it was massive. And then obviously I had to make like a copy for everybody, and I saw like ten people, so it must have been like. Three, four thousand pieces of paper, you know, for a loss. Most ridiculous. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So, I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from because I was there. And like I said, once you start understanding, you know. Hey, Gus, I lose Kyle or everybody lost him? I lose Kyle or everybody lost him? I lose Kyle. Yeah, Carl's uh Carl's just dropped off. Yeah, Carl's uh Carl's 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 dropped off. Yeah, Carl's dropped off. Yeah, Carl's dropped off. All right, that was uh that was Carl's uh stream coming from his uh I've got the. I've got two boards up. I've got one, my board on one screen and Carl's board on the other screen. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Well, as long as he's all right. Um, what was that word that Carl was uh, asking you to look up? Tortfeasor. Isn't that what you were just reading? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd done intimidate, torture, terrorize, and terror. Okay. And uh, I'm going to... I'm writing as I'm talking to you at the same time because this is this is the one that uh, we want to file against this guy who actually dragged Ian out of class. Hey, hold on, Charles, call. Okay. Carl's going to get right back on. He thought the show was over when he lost the signal. Oh, okay. No. Okay. So, talk visa was the word? Yeah. I don't think we've got a whole lot left uh, to the show, though. Okay. Uh, well, I can hang up if Carl wants to do his uh, finish everybody up. No, no, go ahead. There's only maybe five minutes. Don't, okay. don't go anywhere. Okay. Yeah, you got, a com- you got a computer in front of you? Yeah, I'm just typing it in, talk visa. Uh just came up as a wrongdoer, an individual who commits a wrongful act, injures another, for which the law provides a legal right to seek relief, a defendant in a civil tort action. Yeah. What was the definition you were reading before that? Uh, I was reading the ones that I'd written out. I'd written uh, terror, terrorize, torture, and intimidate. Torture being... Pain inflicted by judicial authority as a means of punishment or persuasion. Yeah, did you, did you look up Portfeasor, Gus? Yeah, Paul just read it. Go ahead, read it again, Paul. It says a, uh, uh, a person, um, sorry, a wrongdoer, an individual who commits a wrongful act that injures another 
for which the law provides a legal right to seek relief or a defendant in a civil tort action. Yeah, I mean, you could even read, there's a lot more definitions to that, but yeah, a wrongdoer. Yeah. But see, that's what I'm saying, it, it goes into a lot more detail, but that's pretty good. You know, but like I said, if you look at tort, you know, like tort pieces, you could also go on saying somebody who's bringing in to the world a claim that's not true. You see, because you people who asked me that the other day, you were saying, I think you were the one who was saying that to me, Paul. Somebody said about a false claim. You know, uh, is that... I don't... I don't, that, I, I, I don't With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.